she just let me ride in. Black and White Podcast with Eric and Evan Elliott. What is up? What is up? I have missed this so much, and I can't think of a better topic to start back off from this hiatus we've been on. I'm so amped for this discussion. It's been a it's been a tough tough September, but now we're rolled in the October. Now we're here, and indeed, there's a lot to cover. There's no better place to be on a Friday night than J House Podcast Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, dude, dude, dude. I'm gonna try and keep my trolling to a minimum on one of these topics, but I can't make many promises. I'm I'm sorry. I already know it's coming. Yeah, I I know it's coming. I can't. When I, I I'm not even sure that I could really even be angry. Like I want to be angry, but like I'm just in such disbelief about what's going on football wise. Like I can't, I can't figure it out. Like I can't really. I can't understand it. Like it hasn't really settled in. Oh, if that you. makes sense. Like oh, I, I got you. I got you, bro. Well, let me give the audience some setup before we dive into this discussion. Please. So for anybody that's listened to Jay House for any length of time, you all know that mine and Eric's true loves include three topics: superhero culture, Star Wars, and football. Yes. The First two topics I mentioned, Eric and I are genuine, uh, gen, genuinely, generally in agreement on most things. Eric and I both love DC. Eric and I both really love Star Wars. Yes. And we have been best friends for a long time because of those topics. Now, when it comes to football, that's a different ball game. Different, different story. Totally different because, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Although I love my brother Eric, he's one of my best friends, I am sad to say that we are on the polar opposite ends of the football spectrum. Yes. In college football, anybody that's from Alabama knows that when you come out of your mother's womb, you see one of two sets of colors. Some see the dreaded blue and orange, but for the fortunate ones – we come out to a beautiful display of crimson and white. And we have been blessed with a championship culture for our entire lives. And it's just so great. That's not directed at you. That's directed at a lot of other people. It's facts. It is facts. When you're on the top, there's envy. But yes, we're going to get to college football. I said all that to say Eric's an Auburn fan and I'm a Bama fan. We were born into it, raised into it, molded by it. Shout out to Tom Hardy from The Dark Knight. <laughs> I, I like that one. I like you that. like that. You like that. I like it's that like one. a religion down here. It really yes. is. It yes, is a, it is. It is a second religion. You 
get your colors when you're born and you wear them until they put you six feet under. Yes. And let me say very briefly, this is only compliment that I will give Auburn all night. Uh, give and me I, may take, I, I may take backlash from Bama fans for saying this, but I, I have to give one compliment to the Auburn fan base. And that compliment is this. I very much admire their loyalty. Not a lot of Auburn bandwagon fans. No. You're not uh, find a lot of those. At Alabama, sadly, we have a disgusting inf- infestation of them, and they make themselves known whenever Alabama plays a bad game or, God forbid, we should lose, and they're these idiots who actually say fire Saban, and they're the ones that I want to go upside their head with the two-by-four. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just, you just got to be a special kind of stupid to say something like that. A special, um, yeah, really. But we're going to save the Auburn talk because I'm going to save my trolling for a little bit later because I actually want to bring you some comfort because, ladies and gentlemen, Eric and I don't have the same NFL team either. I'm a Packers fan. Eric's a Bronco fan. Now, I have no beef with Denver, Eric. I really don't. I like Peyton Manning. Yeah. I, uh, I like Tim Tebow when he was there. I have no beef. And yeah. Eric, I, I just, man, I, I got to be honest, man, it's been rough for me as a Packers fan to watch your Broncos. It's been, it's been tough on me. And it's tough on me because you're my best friend. And ladies and gentlemen, you should have heard my good buddy Eric when he found out that Russell Wilson was coming to the Denver Broncos. Jesus. The only there have been two other instances where I've seen Eric this happy. One was when the Snyder Cut got released. <laughs> and the other was when he found out he was having a son. Yes. Those are the <laughs> only other two times that I've yes. known Eric that I've seen him that happy. Those are facts. Well, Those are all I, facts. I, I, I forgot when Tessa agreed to marry him. I forgot that one. That part that part too. Don't tell Tessa we forgot that one. Yeah, we can't can't forget that one. That, that's <laughs> she, up there. she she very much terrifies me. Yes, uh, <laughs> I value my life. I value my life. <laughs> um, but man, Eric sent me video after video how happy he was of him getting, and I get it, I, I do. And Eric, I'm gonna be honest with you, bro. I really really wanted this to work out now ladies and gentlemen i'm actually gonna play a clip i have a clip of eric that he sent me reacting oh my god (laughs) coming to the broncos he doesn't even know i screen recorded this but i had holy crap it's only 15 seconds long ladies and gentlemen this is eric houston the day after Russell Wilson's coming to Denver. Oh. I can't do nothing but laugh on the way to work. I can't believe it. Russell Wilson, a Denver Bronco. Oh, my God. I can't believe you kept that. 
Oh, oh I'm keeping man. that forever. I'm sorry. You, you got to send me that. Oh, my God. So that was Eric's reaction before the season started. Understandably so. Russell Wilson is a Super Bowl winning champion. Um, and ironically, it came at the expense of his Denver Broncos when he won. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, there's that a lot a of night. irony in that. Yeah. yeah. That's insane. But here we are, Russell Wilson, four games into the season. I don't know, five games. The fifth game stats haven't been updated yet on his season stats. But he's 101 for 170, 1,254 yards, four touchdowns, three interceptions. The Denver Broncos are two and three, and they just lost to quite possibly the worst offense in football. Last night's football game much for everybody. Uh, Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson were in a battle of who can throw the most interceptions. Uh, yes. Nathaniel Hackett, I mean, I'm glad y'all took him from the Packers. Y'all can have him. Uh, I mean, I can't. I mean, bro, to comfort you on the show when it comes to some things, but I, I, I got nothing for you, dude. I'm sorry. I got on this one. I got, I got next to nothing for you, man. This is rough. Russell Wilson, it, man. I don't know a nice way to say it. He's played terrible. I don't. Yeah. And I, and I feel bad for you because this, y'all, Eric was telling me. He's the, the one quarterback who can outgun Patrick Mahomes on his best day, and they can go at it. And I feel for Eric because he had all these expectations. And, man, this just feels like the equivalent of getting married, and then the, the within the first week you find out she had an affair. Like yeah. Just, just how happy Eric was. I'm not even trying to troll here, y'all. I legitimately feel bad for him. I know I'm laughing. This I'm just this still, is, I'm just still thinking about that video. Eric, go ahead. I'm sorry. This, no, no. I'm, I'm glad you brought that point up, and I had every right to be excited as I was. You did number number one because even though like the 2021 season wasn't Russell's best, he was on his way out the door. Obviously, the year before with the 2019 and 2020 season, he put up some of the best numbers he ever has. He had some of the greatest games and performances he's ever had. Danger Russ Wilson, earning that name, scrambling out the pocket, double turns, uh, 360s and throws, and making impossible, accurate throws, you know, and just doing all these incredible things that we know him for. And then to think that that is coming to Denver, and that's what we're getting with our offense that has been so conservative and so stale the past couple seasons. You can't help but to get excited. You can't help but to have all these expectations. You got Jerry Judy, courtesy of Alabama. You got Bradley Chubb. Shout out Judy. Judge Judy, man. Freaking, uh, freaking Bradley Chubb at linebacker. We got Pat Sertain. Courtesy of Alabama again yep. at at corner. We have uh just Javante Williams who had a monster season last season. Just like so many parts 
Cortland of this Sutton. Denver team. Cortland Sutton, yes. Another great weapon. So many weapons. And you're thinking that, oh, snap, we're about to be the number one team in the league. Let me let me let me tell you what I saw. Here's here was the first warning sign of my concern after the first game. Well, even before that, Evan, when this NFL season and that time approaches, uh-huh. right? Right. When we get out there or when we turn on our TV to watch preseason football, we're expecting in those first one to two quarters, maybe the first, at least the first 10 minutes of the first quarter to see the second string, the first string QB, the starters get their little reps in and then pass it on to the second and third stringers. That's the norm, right? Sometimes they don't play because of injury, which is fine, or they're trying to avoid, but most times they play. Tom Brady played preseason. He played a few snaps. He gets angry. He gets pissed in preseason snaps when things don't look perfect because he's trying to perfect something because he knows that when it's game time and when the season starts, you pra- you play the way you practice. You play the way you practice. Aaron Rodgers plays in the preseason for a bit. Didn't this season, but... Didn't this season, but for the most part, he's known to do that. Yeah. But even then, he's valid for not even having to do that because of last season, because of his MVP season and how obvious he, how obviously, you know, he's one of the greatest passers, if not the best passer of the football of all time. So, Russell says that, oh, I'm trying to protect from injury, so that's why I'm not playing. Okay, I understand that. But at the same time, we're expecting to see a new-look offense under Coach Hackett, who has hacked it up this season, and we want to see touchdowns. We want to see explosive offense, play action, sticks, all that. Ring a bell? That's what we wanted to see. And we didn't get to see that for like the first, how many preseason games? Was that three or four? Three or four preseason games. So we're like, okay, now I'm worried at that point. I'm like, okay, I'm hoping for the best. Maybe Russ doesn't need the reps, but at the same time, like we need to see this guy hit the field before, before we start talking about anything. So then the season starts. Game one. The season and the football that we've played so far has been so terrible that I don't even remember what our schedule was. I don't even remember who we played first. Seattle. The game, Seattle, yes. The games have been that forgettable. In that first game, I gave Russ the benefit of the doubt. Okay, you're good. You're just shook up. You're not used to this crowd being used against you like you've used it against so many other opponents. Okay. He shook, shook up a little bit. I could see it in his eyes. I could see it in his body language. We all could. I'm like, all right, Russ, give him time to settle in. If we don't win this game, okay, it's going to take time for Russ to get adjusted. It's going to take time for this new offense. Then we go to the second game, which I believe was a home game. 
Yeah, it was against the Texans. It was against the Texans, and we won that, if I'm not mistaken. We won. Yeah. But that day, that offense was looking so pathetic that we were getting boos from the crowd. Russell Wilson was getting booed for the lack of touchdowns that he and this offense was producing. But we got the win. So we're like, okay, we got the win. We can build on it. We'll see. It's only two games. Then we get to game three. And who did we play game three? Remind me. The 49ers. We played the bloody 49ers. And that one. We won. Barely, but we won. How we won against that 49er team who just destroyed um their who just destroyed their last opponent. They just absolutely bodied them. Jimmy G threw like I think one or two touchdowns. Yeah, they beat the Rams. Beat the Ram, beat they the brakes off the Rams. No, they have not. Debo Samuel ran all up and down their ass all night all long. And it was beautiful to watch. How we beat that 49ers team, I have no clue. But we did. And it was a terrible game. So, okay. Three games in. Come on. We got to do something. We got to get this thing right. Get this offense right. So, that leads us to the fourth game of the season. And still. And still. Nothing happens. We're getting booed at home. In game four, we played who, Evan? At the Raiders. We played at the Raiders. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to my fans and to the audience that 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 I'm struggling to remember the opponents and to remember these games. You just don't understand how garbage this football has been. These are not games to remember. And y'all were the, kind enough to give the Raiders their first win of the season. We coughed it up and let Josh Jacobs open our legs, and split us down the middle. <laughs> Bodied. <laughs> Bodied. I mean, dude, we got Bradley Chubb. We got Bradley Chubb. We got uh, Randy Gregory from the Cowboys, who was a great acquisition. We got a great secondary behind us, too. And Josh Jacobs just cut through us like we were butter. We didn't tackle. We couldn't do anything right. Courtesy of Alabama. Courtesy of Alabama. I give respect to that. We just we just couldn't do anything right. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, I didn't even say anything. I was getting phone calls from my other old coworker who's a Ravens fan. And he's like, What I tell you, bro? What I, I'm like, all right, bro. I'm like, all right, next game, next game. It's four, it's, it's three games in. All right. The fifth four games in, this fifth game. If this doesn't go right. If this doesn't go right, I just keep telling myself, okay, trust Russ. Let him get comfortable. Let him get great in this new scheme. Let him get settled in because he's obviously, you know, we're not used to seeing this kind of Russ. We want explosive play Russ, run pass Russ, uh, play action Russ, you know what I'm saying, the kind that takes the first down before thinking about throwing it to a receiver before the scrimmage uh, line. We're talking about that Russell. You know, this Russell we've seen in Hackett's offense has been one that is calm. He's a lot more conservative for for a lot of reasons, like coming out of the coming from under center, you know, whether or lining up in the gun, you know, these calm two step dropbacks like he's playing high school football, 
You know what I'm saying? Just like it's it's not Russ. And then on top of that, he's trying to be too careful. And I'm gonna get to that point in just a second because I'm I'm explain what's behind that. We get to this game, and I'm like, okay, I sent you the video. I said, bro, Asher's got the Bronco flag. He's he's saying, go Broncos. I'm like, oh, oh that said, was go so Broncos, it, folks. It was such a sweet video. Asher looked adorable, and I'm not gonna lie, y'all, because of that one video, I was really pulling for the Broncos last night, man. I really that, was. My my boy, man. My my son. Your son. Like, bro, we're excited. Got my Bronco hat on. I'm ready to roll. I'm like, okay, we're about to turn this thing around. First quarter of the game, we take a 70 to 80 yard drive. This is the the most decent look I've seen at the offense this season. They take an 80 something yard drive, go down the field. We don't get the get the touchdown. We get stood up at the goal line. Okay, I can get – okay, but that's fine. We look good on that first drive. We'll, we'll punch it in next time. We got to get this punched in. Brandon gives us three. McManus gives us three. Boom. Second drive comes. That's a three and out. Third drive comes. That's a sack, I believe. Fourth, three and out. Another three and out. Three and out. Three and out. Field goal. Three and out. And then before you know it, dude, it's the third quarter. And we got six points on the board. It's the third fucking quarter <laughs> with six points on the board. Six points. And I'm like, what gives? Why can we not get in the fucking end zone? And here's where the rant comes. Here's what I wanted to allude to you earlier about Russ being calm and confident, calm in the pocket. He's too calm. He is too fucking calm. He's not He's not looking. He's not seeing his reads. I don't know if Tom, what the Patriots did back in that Super Bowl, like mind raped him or something, but it's obviously bothering him. It's because he's scared to throw. Doesn't want to run the ball when it's time to run the ball and then make stupid passes when it's when it's time to make smart decisions. And I just don't get it. I don't get it for the life of me. I'm like, Russ, what is wrong with you? Why are you so shook? Are you okay? Like, I understand it's a new offense and all, but these receivers are wide open. In the third quarter or the fourth, I believe, we had a chance. KJ Hamilton, uh, uh, I believe that's his name, runs the slant right across the middle. We're at the 20, I believe, or the 30. Wide open, Russ misses the read to a wide-open K.J. Hamler. K.J. takes off his helmet in the end zone, slams it, bangs it multiple times, cussing from what it looks like. He's so frustrated and pissed, and I'm like, this is not good. This offense has no chemistry at all because now you got your one of your star wide receivers taking their helmets off, throwing it in the end zone, pissed. And then to make matters worse, Evan, this, look, I told my buddy, I said, call Tim Tebow. Call him. Because at least Tebow, his mechanics were not the best, okay? But from my childhood and from what I remember when I first became a Broncos fan growing up, I remember how exciting it was to come home 
every time the Broncos were playing on TV, just waiting with anticipation to see Tim Tebow because you knew he was going to bring touchdowns. You knew he was going to do some last-second miracle stuff. You knew that he was going to bring the excitement. And did he He lit up mile high. Every snap he took, he lit mile high up. Brought them their first playoff win after a long drought after a while, which opened the door for Peyton to come in and then take us to the promised land. But no one can deny Tim Tebow's impact on the Broncos in those mid-2000s. It was amazing. Call him. Get him back on the field. Because I know for a fact that he would do better than what Russell Wilson is doing right now. That's how bad this is. It got so bad. Let's take it even lower. It got so bad. I looked on Twitter. I'm scrolling, trying to see what the fans are saying. ESPN drops video footage of fans, Denver fans, leaving the game at overtime. This garbage game is already dumb enough because nobody's scoring points. And then to make matters worse, it gets to overtime. And fans start leaving at overtime. Now the fans are like, okay, I don't give a fuck about this game. Forget about it. I don't care who wins because it's obvious that no one has wanted to win the whole game. And that, for me, that is when I officially started panicking. I'm like, Russ has totally lost control of this team. He's lost control of this situation, and he has not taken control of this offense and stepped up in that leadership role because this this doesn't happen. This isn't supposed to happen. This is not how this was supposed to go. Like Riddler style. Oh! Oh, this is not how this was supposed to go. We had it all planned out. We had it all planned out. (laughs) You were going to be the quarterback. We were going to get you all these nice weapons. And we were going to go to the Super Bowl together. (laughs) And Patrick Mahomes is just sitting on his couch, legs crossed. Obviously, the Batman character. You're fucking insane. You, you like, yeah, you're gonna die on that hill, thinking that you're gonna uh, win a Super Bowl this year. Uh, and so that's that's where I'm at right now with with this whole situation. Like, I was so hyped, but this this offense has just it's not it's not good, and. I don't know what the issue is. I don't know if it's Russell being mentally unprepared. I don't know if it's just the play calling from Hackett, which they did get. He got a consultant. They hired a consultant to help manage time clock on the staff, to help him with time management. So I I give him props for that. So at least we know when we need to kick it and when we need to throw it or run it. But then again, those shades still happened last night. It was fourth and one, and we still chose to, like, I don't know. It's just, it's so much confusion going on right now as a Denver fan. And this, and and listen, this wasn't just bad football for Denver fans. This was bad football for everyone. Everyone was a fan. It It was was horrible. horrible. We got people all across the league. Everywhere, other fans from other teams, 
Like, dude, talking about how terrible this game was. The worst football ever played on a field, most likely. Like, it was that bad. We are the laughing stock. We are the joke of the league. I don't know whether this is going to change or not. I don't know if they're going to get this thing together. We're five games into the season. I don't know if that's even enough time to panic. I just know right now that it's not good. And if we're talking about competing with Patrick Mahomes, who I was wrong about, I said once Tyreek was gone, there was no way he was going to be able to adjust. Newsflash, people. And hey, real quick, real quick, what did I tell you when you said that? I said, you're crazy. I said, and I've been telling people this, and I've been telling people, I'm sorry to cut you off, but real quick, side rant. People got to start giving Patrick Mahomes credit where it's due. This man, I am not a Chiefs fan. I'm not. I am not a Chiefs fan. I've never pulled for the Chiefs. I'm not an Andy Reid fan. You know, but as a human being with two eyeballs in my head and somebody that watches someone that watches the NFL. Yeah. Somebody show me the person that can throw that thing better than Mahomes. Show me the man that can make the sidearm throws that he makes, the throws on the run that he makes, the right. arm strength that he has. It's untouched. The it's only untouched. game where he has ever looked like a mortal was against Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl where he had 0.2 seconds to throw the ball every play because the Tampa Bay defense absolutely obliterated that O-line. But you put anybody in that position, they're going to fail. Patrick Mahomes, unquestionably, undoubtedly, indisputably, is the best quarterback in the league right now, and he has been ever since he came into the league. I don't understand why people are so like. He has one bad game, and we're so desperate. Oh, it's Josh Allen. It's Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes beat Josh Allen last year in the best game I've ever seen. Patrick Mahomes, ladies and gentlemen, is that dude. Packer Nation, I'm sorry. He is Aaron Rodgers 2.0. He's better than Aaron Rodgers, and I'm a diehard Packers fan. But I watched Patrick Mahomes four years in the league. What has he done? He's been to four straight NFC or AFC title games, Eric. Four straight. Four straight. Let me say that again. Four straight NFC or AFC title games. He's won two of them, and he's won a Super Bowl. He's got a regular season MVP. He's got a Super Bowl MVP. He is that dude. He's that dude. I don't know if I'm ready to call him baby goat yet because I'd like to see him win a couple. Like the conversation of the goat has a lot more to do with accomplishments. But, dude, he's on his way. He's the best in the league. And I'm sorry to Denver Nation. I'm going to be honest. I never thought the only way I thought that Denver would hang with the Chiefs is if that defense could slow Mahomes down. Because I'm just going to be honest. I don't think anyone can hang with Patrick Mahomes on his best day. I don't think there's a quarterback in the league that can do that. When Patrick Mahomes is clicking, there's nobody that can hang with him. Josh Allen came close, 
He came very close, but he failed. So, I mean, I'm sorry to go off on that side rant, dude, but Mahomes, he's that dude. It's facts, man. He's taking check down routes. He's taking what the defense gives him. He's not looking for the big play every single time. And that's a dangerous quarterback. You get someone like Patrick Mahomes who can make those big plays, but he turns it into just drive after drive, taking their time, getting down the field. He's unbloody stoppable. And we're not going to survive. I don't know how. I don't even know how we're going to. We can't even. Bro, we have the lowest. I think we're dead last, 31st or 32nd. In red zone scoring. We have nothing. We can't touch the end zone. We couldn't touch the end zone if you put us in front of it with no defense there. We're still not scoring. That's how bad this offense is. Eric, I got to tell you something that you're not going to like, okay? But I I need you to accept this, all right? You're not winning the division. We can agree with that. I know that's not a really big wow statement, but Denver's not winning this division. So if they make the playoffs, it'll be as a wild card. Um, and Eric, I'm gonna be honest with you, brother. I'm looking at the Chargers. When they get healthy, they'll be better. Uh, I'm looking at the Bengals, who have resurged, and I'm looking at either probably Buffalo or Miami as another wild card. I think it's a very real situation that Denver misses the playoffs, and I hate that for you, dude. We're not going to the playoffs this year. Yeah, I, I mean, it's – and I, I, I honestly hate it for you, brother, because I, you were so excited. And I was thinking to myself, okay, I don't see this team winning the division. And on Denver's best day – and this is no shot at Denver – This is just an understanding of how stacked the AFC West really is. I thought on Denver's best day, they would be the third best team in the AFC West. I thought that Kansas City is the king of that division. I don't see that changing. I think Kansas City's the king of the AFC, no matter how much we want to desperately crown Buffalo, who has already lost a game, right? Right. They're not looking like that same Buffalo team that destroyed the Titans and Rams. Now, I think they'll destroy the Steelers this upcoming week. But then I think that, you know, we got the Bills going to the Chiefs. That'll be an interesting game. I think the Chiefs pull that off. But I've always thought that the second best team in the AFC West would be the Los Angeles Chargers. Justin Herbert, uh, you adding Khalil Mack. So a Joey Bosa defense, I mean, Jesus, what? Yeah. That's insane. I thought, okay, maybe they might be better than the Chargers. But I always saw them as the third best team. The Raiders have got the pieces, but they don't have the quarterback. I like Derek Carr, but he's not Russell Wilson. He's not Justin Herbert. He's certainly not Patrick Mahomes. Um I was going to talk about Green Bay some tonight, but honestly, I don't have much to say on them, positive or negative. I mean, we're three and one. We don't look overly impressive on offense at all. We've looked very lethargic. This is Aaron's worst year by a freaking landslide, largely in part because we traded away his best receiver for two linebackers 
And I'm just waiting for more Packer fans to tell me why we don't need to go out and get Odell Beckham Jr. I, I, I can't understand this. People keep saying, oh, well, he's a cancer. I'm like, yeah, he's so cancerous. The last team he was on won the freaking Super Bowl. Not because of him, though. He was a great addition. They didn't win that Super Bowl because of him. Well, yeah, but it's not like he went to the team and they got worse with him on it. Right, that's true as well. And he had his touchdown in the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. He did. It's so he not, did something. Yeah, it's not going to hurt for you. It wouldn't hurt for Green Bay to sign him. And I will say right now, Odell Beckham Jr. is definitively better than Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, and anyone else we have. Yeah. I mean, I can't point to the – the only receiver that Aaron really seems to trust is, is uh, Randall Cobb. He'll throw it to Lazard sometimes if he's wide open. Yeah. Robert Robert Tanyan seems to have his trust somewhat, but it wasn't a good sign that the leading rusher or that the re- leading receiver has been Aaron Jones. I like Aaron Jones. He's a baller, but for the love of God, Green Bay, where's the passing attack? Aaron Rodgers, four touchdowns, three picks. You got to be kidding me. And I know I sound like I'm just being dramatic because we're three and one, but my God, this reminds me of the 2019 Packers team. We went 13 and three, and we didn't look like it. There were so many games that year where I was like, you know, we're 13 and three, we're the number two seed, but we don't look like a playoff team. We're winning all these games miraculously. And all of it came to a head, and all of my worst fears came true when we got to play the 49ers in the NFC title game at Levi Stadium, and we got our freaking throat ripped out. Yeah. We got curb stomped. I mean, there was no nice way to put it. We got murked. And I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. And it still didn't help watching what I watched. I cried. It was horrible. Um, this season feels a lot of the same. Why we let Devontae go, I'm not sure. That was really stupid. Um, yeah, it was. My worst fears have and people are like, well, Evan, we're a run team now. We just run the ball more. I'm Since thinking, when? when you have Aaron Rodgers, you're not a run team. You are if, definitely if, if, not if a run the team. So called goat, Tom Brady. Just threw for 300 freaking yards against Kansas City. Aaron hasn't thrown 300 all year. I mean, I love Aaron Rodgers, but my God, I can never compare this man to Tom Brady. I can never do it. Yeah. Because I'm looking at Aaron Rodgers, and I'm like, bro, when Brady was in New England, he made a career out of making seventh round and undrafted receivers like Chris Hogan and Julian Edelman and Amendola, look like ballers. Right. Uh, So, I love Aaron. He's my favorite quarterback in the league. That's my guy. I'm riding with him. I love him. We're three and one, but I I would love to see some more offensive efficiency from us in the passing game, Uh, especially after last week. We should have killed the Patriots, and it went to overtime. Largely in part because Aaron Rodgers looked awful. And I'm so sick. You know what a lot of it is, Eric? I'm going to say this. For some reason, I can't figure it out. 
Packer Nation is the one fan base that will never, ever, under any circumstance, say anything negative about Aaron Rodgers. And I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. Because we're still living in 2012 and 2013. We're still acting like we're living back there where Aaron had the sucky defenses, no running game, but we were still making the playoffs because Aaron was just that good. It's not 2012 anymore. He's had great defenses. He's had great running games, and we don't have any Super Bowls to show for it. Yeah. We don't. I don't want to hear about, oh, well, if you know with Tampa, it was because of the field goal. No. Why were we down so much in the first half? Why? Why does Tom Brady throw three interceptions and the def- and, and the offense can't score a single touchdown off any of them? When do you know Tom Brady to throw three picks, Eric? When does that happen? Never. It doesn't. We, did, we did nothing with it. Nothing. But that's not Aaron's fault. No. That's someone else's fault. It's not his fault. It can't be his fault. Nothing is his fault. Last year, oh, last year, Eric. Last year. Our defense showed up against the 49ers. Shut them down. Shut them down, Eric. Sure did. Our special teams made one mistake. It was a terrible play. Terrible play. Terrible. You can't stress how terrible it was. Gave up a touchdown on a terrible block punt. I get it. That was one play. One freaking play. If we score one more touchdown, we have one touchdown. Beginning of the game, Aaron Dill- uh, Aaron Dillon, A.J. Dillon runs in a touchdown. Aaron throws zero touchdowns the whole game. If he throws one, we win. And that block punt doesn't matter. Packers right. fans don't want to say because it's not Aaron's fault that the offense only had one touchdown. It's It's got to be someone else's freaking fault. I don't get it. The receivers didn't get open. Throw them open. Trust them. The only receiver he'd throw to all night was Devontae, even when he was double covered. And then Packer fans were dumb enough to say, well, now that Devontae's gone, he'll trust other receivers. No. 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 He just doesn't trust them. Check the Minnesota game. (laughs) He He does not trust his receivers. I understand they're not great, but, dude, you can't throw the ball to yourself. Right. All right, so, you know, we got the Giants coming up. I think we'll win that game. We got the Jets and the Commanders. So, the Packers should be, should be 6-1 and one going into the game at the Bills, which I am dreading that game. Yeah, you should be. But overall, dude, 3-1, and one, I can't complain too much, even though we're definitely not winning the Super Bowl this year. As of right now, now if this passing game gets going, with the way our defense has played this year, if the passing game gets going, I think we can make it to the Super Bowl. I think yeah. we can make it if the passing game gets going. Now, do I think we can beat who I think is going to represent the AFC in Kansas City? Hell no. Hell no. Nah. Absolutely not. The only way we'd beat Kansas City is if our D-line did to Kansas City what Buffalo did, which I doubt. 
But that's just my gut feeling. But about the NFL, let's get to what I really want to talk about. Let's talk about some college football. I'm excited for this topic. I know you probably not as much, Eric. Um, But let me say very briefly before I go off on Auburn, I want to send a little message to Jimbo Fisher and A&M. I said at the start of this podcast, when we started talking about football a couple of weeks ago, I said there was one game that I was looking forward to above all the other ones, Eric. Do you remember which one it was? Yes, I do. Can you tell the folks at home which game that was? It was going to be Alabama versus Texas a And at the beginning of the season, this game was supposed to be a showdown. It was supposed to be it was supposed to be the SEC game of the year, remember? Yeah. Oh, Alabama was going to be ranked number one or two, and A&M was going to be in the top five as well. And then these jokers went and lose to Appalachian State. To Appalachian State. At home? <laughs> Damn. And then, oh, Eric, it doesn't stop there. It gets easy. Because then they beat Miami. And they beat Arkansas, and oh, A&M, back in it, looking good, looking like a real team. And then they go to Mississippi State, and Mississippi State went up their head with a freaking cowbell, 42-24. to Are you kidding me, Jimbo? I'm Damn. disappointed in you, A&M. I'm very disappointed. You do know Alabama's a 24-point favorite in this game? I didn't think that would happen at the beginning of the season. I expected to be nervous going into this game. I expected to have to put on a brave face, but A&M, thank you so much for losing because now I'm not worried at all. I'm not even a little bit worried. Bryce Young is not playing tomorrow, but guess what? We don't need him. We absolutely don't need him. Jalen Milrow is going to run like a monster. Jameer Gibbs, monster. Holy crap, did y'all see what he did to Arkansas, Jameer Gibbs. Shout out. Not one, but two 70-yard touchdowns. Oh, beautiful. Mwah. Beautiful. Bryce, get well soon. We'll see you against Tennessee. We're coming for you, Vols. You're losing tomorrow against LSU, by the way. I'm just telling you. I've been saying it. Tennessee's losing tomorrow. That's my little trolling, though, for a and I don't want to wait, Eric, because I want to talk about Auburn. Oh, please don't. I want to talk. Allow me, folks, real quick, before people think out there that I'm just a senseless a-hole Bama fan, because if you're listening right now and you think Evan is one of those people that delights in the misery of Auburn fans, he's one of those Bama fans that drinks the tears of Auburn fans, I want to tell you something, two things. Number one, you're absolutely right. I am. Number two, there's a reason why. Let me tell you why, Eric, all right? Allow me to give you my villain origin story. Believe it or not, there where I didn't trash talk Auburn fans, there was. Um, namely in elementary school because I couldn't 
because Auburn was on that six-year-in-a-row streak way back when with Tommy Tuberville. Oh, that was a good time. That was a good time. Yeah, I'm sure it was for you. Not so much for me. (laughs) And, you know, I went to a private school, and, you know, the Cam Newton thing happened, and, you know, that was painful for me. But you know what? I – I didn't really know any Auburn fans at the time, so I said, you know what? Good for them. Whatever. It is what it is. Well, in 2013, I went to Gulf Shores High School, where for whatever reason, 80% of the kids there are Auburn fans, and most of my friends were Auburn fans. So I kept my mouth shut because I knew I was in the minority. When Bama won 49 to nothing in 2012, I was at that game, by the way. That was a great time. Damn. I kept I kept my mouth shut at school because the win was enough. I looked around, and I thought, you know what? Auburn fans are miserable as is. I don't have to say anything. I can be calm and just enjoy being a Bama fan, right? I kept my mouth shut, Eric. I would like to say that in 2013, Auburn fans, all of my Auburn friends returned the favor and paid me the same due diligence and respect. But that would be a lie. Because, Eric, when I went to school after the kick six, everybody who knew I was a Bama fan had something to say. Oh, I had to hear about it. Every day. Every freaking day with that damn kick six this, kick six that. Oh, my God. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. Oh, my God, Eric. My phone. Every time I looked at it, that same play, people kept sending it to me, laughing at me. Thank God LSU, uh, FSU won the national title that uh, year. So at least I didn't have to put up with that. But it was cold comfort because the kick six still happened. And I still had to hear it. And from that day on, now I'm not trying to paint all Auburn fans like that. I'm sure there's a lot of good ones out there. I'm sure. There's bad Bama fans and bad Auburn fans. is what it is. I'm just giving my experience, my my testimony, Eric. Yeah. This, this is my testimony. So people understand where I'm coming from with this. All right. Yeah. From that moment on, I said to myself, you know what? I can't stand y'all. I can't stand y'all. And then it directed at you. This is just my experience. With a Understood. Lot. Well, then, folks, the reason Eric is going to get some trolling tonight is because we met around 2017. In 2018, Alabama won the Iron Bowl. I didn't send anything to Eric. I I was like, roll tide is what it is. 2019, Auburn won. And, oh, Eric sent me some videos. Smile. I'll never forget this. He was smiling. He was laughing. He was having a good old time. It was a legendary game. It was a good fight. We he wasn't it. just posting it to his Snapchat story. No, 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 no. That would have been one thing, ladies and gentlemen. But no, this man was sending me videos. He was sending me videos laughing. He was sending me videos trolling. And I told him that night, I said, Eric, when the game was over, I said, Eric, pray to God. Alabama never wins this game again. Pray. Because if they do, I'm coming back with a vengeance. You did. You said that. 
and I kept my word. <laughs> and I'm keeping my word here tonight because if y'all are out there thinking, oh, Evan is just really enjoying this season and he's enjoying watching Penn State, Merck Auburn, and he's enjoying watching LSU with the miracle comeback wins, and he's enjoying watching Auburn need miracles to beat Missouri. If you're out there and you're thinking that, let me tell you this, you're absolutely freaking right. I have <laughs> loved this season with all of my heart. I'm loving it. And you know what I'm loving even more, Eric? The fire Brian Harson crowd. I love y'all so much because so many of y'all, not Eric included, Eric was a bit of a, Eric was like me. He was cautious about Harson. He was like, you know what? Let's see what he does. Let's see what yeah. he does. But man, so many Auburn fans were like, man, Harson, he's that dude. He's coming for Bama and he's going to do this and he's going to do that. I ain't seen it. It didn't even take y'all. Man, it's not even too. They can't even give the man two full seasons and they're coming for his job. It's sad. But yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with his quarterback. It was TJ Finley. But now he seems to have a halfway, and this is no trolling. Robbie Ashford does not look terrible. He's made yeah. some bad plays. But oh, only a freshman. He had that one touchdown against L that throw on the run, and I was like, ooh, okay. That's a throw. That's a good throw. TJ yeah. Finley can't make that throw. That yeah. was a good that was a good he's got that number nine on. You know, he he's out there looking like what happens when you order Bryce Young from Wish, but that's neither here nor there. Um Damn. I'm Damn. sorry. I'm sorry. Damn. I'm, that was me. I know. I'm sorry. He's the one that wore number nine. That's all I'm saying. He wore it. He could have picked a different number. That's all I'm saying, Eric. That's all I'm saying. But it had to be number nine, right? You know. Yeah. Is what it is. But, 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 but. He's made some good plays. He can run. He can definitely run. And in all honesty, I think Auburn, I thought they were going to beat LSU. I really did. Um. But for whatever reason, ever since last year's game against Mississippi State, where Auburn was up 28-3 to and then 40 unanswered points happened, Auburn just has not been the same team. And I'm starting to get the sense that they've given up on Harson, and they've given up on the season. And, God, it does not help. It does not help anything if you're an Auburn fan of who your next opponent is. That's where I almost feel bad for Auburn. Yeah. Because after the Penn State debacle, the LSU loss, now, brother, you got to go to Athens. I hate them. I hate them bitches. And let me tell you, hey, I hate – how do you think I feel about Georgia? Now, granted, you know, Georgia, they've gotten on my nerves, but, hey, they finally beat Bama. I mean, sure, not only Jamison Williams, but John Mechie, too, had to be injured for them to win. And they didn't really win until the very end of the game with the pick six. Bama was still in it. Georgia wants to rewrite history and make it seem like it was 40 to nothing. But, hey, I mean, when you lose to a team seven times in a row, do what you will. Uh, yeah. You, you won that, Natty. I ain't even mad about it anymore. You won. 
Um, well, yeah, you only got like 18 of the bitches. So, I mean, hey. Yeah, we had one to spare. We had one to spare. I mean, we, we won a national title. And what was it? Three SEC titles off of Georgia, I think it was. Yeah, three. Three of those. So, you know, we uh, we had to let Georgia get one. We were running out of space in the trophy cabinet. Uh, these are things you can say as a Bama fan, and they're true. Uh, so, you know, though, I, I don't even know who I'm going to pull for tomorrow when it comes to Auburn or Georgia. I'm just taking solace in the fact that one of them's got to lose. That's how football works. Tomorrow, yeah. Tomorrow's a win-win for me. It really is, because I'm looking – if Auburn pulls off the miracle upset, which, given that it's in Athens, I don't see it happening. Um, if they pull off the miracle upset, I get to drink Georgia tears. And I get to laugh and be like, yeah, y'all think you're the new Alabama. They really think this, Eric. They think after one win that they're the new Alabama. I told you that way back, way back. I think it was two seasons ago. I said Georgia is just nothing but a wannabe Alabama. They just want to be y'all so bad. They do. They do. Strong, strong offense that's built on a sturdier defense with great D linemen. That's it. They just want to be y'all so bad. Everybody, if and everybody deep down in their heart of hearts, everybody that hates Alabama, they want to be Alabama. And this so I understand it's jealousy. I understand that after 2018, when Clemson absolutely mud stomped Alabama, hey, that happened. I, I can't put a smiley face on that one, Eric. That, yeah. That's one of them games I look back on, and I'm just like, hey, I got nothing to say. I, I that was one game where I had to shut my mouth. <laughs> I couldn't. Yeah, yeah I could, <laughs> 40, 44 to 16. Oh God, it still hurts to say. Could, couldn't that, say nothing about it. I had nightmares about that game, bro. I, I that was bad. That was that was really really bad. Uh, yeah, that was the only time where I ever considered, you know what? Maybe the dynasty is over. But then, you know, two seasons later, we won the national title. So <laughs> yet again, I mean, dang, I I don't know what you want me to say. But back on Auburn, bro. I mean, look. Despite all the trolling I just did and the disdain that I have for – you know how Stephen A. feels about Cowboy fans? Right? Yeah. Well, that's me with Auburn. Because Harson honestly seems like a cool guy. I don't dislike Brian Harson one bit. He seems like a the kind of guy that I would like to have dinner with. He seems cool. I, I could hang out with Harson. Um – I enjoyed watching Cam Newton play whenever he wasn't playing Bama. The prayer in Jordan Hare was nuts. I love watching that because I can't stand Georgia. The kick six, not so much Um, (laughs) for obvious reasons. But, you know, I I just take solace in the fact that we've won three national titles since that game. So, you know, it's it's what I'm sorry. Let me me share some and I'll say my piece and I'll leave it alone. Number one, 2013 was an eternity ago, for starters. This is for Auburn fans, everybody alike. The 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 miracle in Jordan Hare, the kick six, two of the back-to-back most iconic plays 
college football history. Are those solidified in history as that? Yes, they are. Look back at the annals of history and the the pages of history. Auburn will be up there with those top two finishes. Yes, of course. The question is, how does that help us now? What does that have to do with right now? And you know what the answer is, Evan? Not a not not a goddamn thing. <laughs> I was I was 15, 16 years old when that shit happened. It's it's I was single, I was in high school, and I was on my way up to growing up. I'm 24 now, man. About to be 25. About to be 25. Alabama has won at least three to four national titles since then. And some other teams have won a few. Georgia has got one since then. How many Auburn has? Zero since then. I didn't had a baby and shit. I didn't got married. I didn't, I've had my first gray hair in my head. Literally. From the stresses of life, I literally have my first gray hair on my head before Auburn got an act. That lets you know just how bad this is. Secondly, love Brian Harson. He's a cool dude. But there was a lot that preceded this way before the season even started. I'm talking about players transferring because they didn't like his methods, staff members leaving. Our athletic director just left due to a uh, <laughs> a disagreement with Harson. Right when you think that wasn't enough. Breaking news, Brian Harson is tapping his assistant. I mean, hey, and when you get a when you get a picture when you look at the picture of her, whether that rumor is true or not, if he did or not, hey, I don't blame the guy. I feel oh my like, god, don't let Tessa hear you say that. I'm sorry. She she was beautiful. She was a beautiful woman. This happens in football all the time. Coaches fall in love with their assistants and and you know where that goes. He pulled a kiffin on him. He pulled a kiffin on him. So that did not help. Whether that was true or not, that didn't help the case at all. And then we get to the season. I tried to give TJ Finley the benefit of the doubt, but now there's no doubt left. There is no benefit left. He's ass. Doo-doo. Trash. Garbage. Real quick, I'm I'm sorry to cut you off, but allow me to just help you with your points. I'm I'm very sorry to cut you off. But ladies and gentlemen, very briefly, this is Auburn's season that Eric is talking about. Okay. This is Auburn's season. This is what they have done five games, right? Five games through. Game one, you play Mercer. All right, it's freaking Mercer. All right. Auburn whoop Mercer. But the big tale of that game was TJ Finley with the 112 yards and two picks. Like, what the heck? Tank went off because Tank is a monster, and he's about the only good thing on Auburn's offense right about now. God bless him, Tank. Tank is Tank. You are a warrior. 
Game number two, Eric, what the hell happened? 24 to 16 against San Jose State. I knew, we were in, I knew we were in trouble then. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, all five of Auburn's first five games have been at home. At home. Game number three, Penn State comes into town. And, folks, there's no nice way to say it. They spanked Auburn. They beat our ass. There's just no good way to put it. I mean, Auburn's offense looked anemic. It looked pedestrian. That defense looked pretty solid at first, but it eventually gave way because the offense couldn't do anything. So 41-12, to they get murdered. Game number four, oh, my God. Auburn goes up 14 to nothing against Missouri. And I'm sitting there like, okay, this Robbie Ashford kid, he's pretty good. He's making plays. Auburn's up 14 to nothing. It's uh, looking like a blowout. Auburn didn't score again until overtime. And this is Missouri we're talking about here. Mizzou. This is Missouri. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, it took not one, but two. Nothing short of what you can call divine miracles of football for Auburn to etch out a game that they were favored to win by eight points, which it should have been more than that. Should have been it, more than it that. It took Missouri with the worst play calling I've ever seen at the three-yard line. Do they try to run the ball in for a touchdown? No. Which, why, I have no idea. Auburn's offense has done nothing. You give them the ball back with 20 seconds. Auburn's not going to do anything. They, they didn't even try to score. They took a knee. Two of them. And they tried the chip shot field goal, and God said no. He misses a 26-yard field goal I have never in my freaking life. Perfectly set up. This dude just missed it. Just missed it. That's that Jordan Hare shit. We get to Auburn in overtime. Andres Carlson misses his first field goal in overtime. But lo and behold, offsides on defense. So he gets a second chance and makes it. So I guess it took three miracles. Missouri gets the ball. Play number one doesn't go anywhere. Play number two, the running back breaks one to the outside. He's going, going, going. One yard line, stretches his hand out for the touchdown, and he drops the freaking ball. He drops. Ladies and gentlemen, Auburn did not knock the ball out of his hand. They did not cause a fumble. They did nothing. This boy just dropped the freaking ball. Straight up. I've never in my life, Eric, seen anything like this. Never. Auburn recovers it in the end zone, and it's a dang miracle. Game number five, LSU. Auburn up 17 nothing. I'm watching this game, and Eric, I can say this now. I'm thinking, damn, Auburn, they might be good. They might be good. I, I don't have all that much respect for LSU this year because we still remember the Florida State game. Uh, but I'm like, man, that's not good. 17 nothing. Uh-oh. LSU comes back, wins 21-17 to 
Auburn turns the ball over three times in the fourth quarter. Yep. I've never. I, 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 Eric, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but I feel as if the luck has run out. I feel like Auburn used up all their luck against Missouri. Uh, the one bright side to Auburn is Robbie Ashford. 337 yards against LSU. I think the kid has potential. He's only a freshman. He'll, he'll develop. I, I think he's made some freshman mistakes. I think he's tried too hard to make plays, which makes sense because, you know, there's pressure on him. I get that. But, I mean, Eric, I just don't have any positive things that I can say to make you feel better about tomorrow's game against Georgia. I, I, I really wish I had something. The only positive that I can give you is that Georgia has not looked good. They, yeah. they beat Missouri, and then against Kent State and Missouri, they look like I wish Bama could have played them last week because we would have ran Georgia out of the stadium. Yeah. I, I understand Bama had the rough third quarter against Arkansas. Look, we got caught napping in that third quarter. It is what it is. We got caught napping. And then the long snapper for Alabama needs his butt chewed out. That's the worst damn snap I've ever seen in my life, Eric. Yeah. I Did you see that? I saw it on the uh, replay, on SEC replay. My God, he didn't even – it's like way past him. I don't know who the heck he was trying to snap that ball to. We gift-wrapped them seven points on that one. But then yeah. in the fourth quarter, Bama was like, hey, let's play football. And then Jalen Milrow with a 70-yard run, and then the touchdown. Then Jameer Gibbs with the touchdowns. Holy, right. crap, holy crap, Jameer Gibbs. Oh, my gosh, bro. I've been, yeah. I've been praying for a running back, and God said, let there be Jameer. Uh, but, dude, you know, just overall with Auburn, how you feeling? I hadn't told you how I'm feeling, man. I, it's just one thing after another. I I told you how I felt, man. I this one thing after you know, if it's not one thing, it's another, and then right when we think we're okay, we're not okay, and it's just you you can't get any lower from here. You know what I'm saying? And if that's what it takes, if we lose the rest of the season and don't win another game, if that's what it takes to just hit rock bottom and get this rebuild going, then oh well, because it's the SEC. And you just can't you you can't play like this. This is not the way this goes. And and, and I know. And you're in the SEC West, dude. We're in the West with the best with the best team in college football. So I mean, it is what it is. But and and at this point, and you know my position on the Iron Bowl. Look, I love it. I love the Iron Bowl. It's been a part of culture our Southern culture, college football culture, since forever. We know what the environment is like on Iron Bowl. We know what the buildup is like. We know the camaraderie that we have as fans and as a state living here in Alabama. We know the love that we share, the passion, the hatred. We know what comes with that territory. We know the memories that get made with the Iron Bowl. We understand that. It's eternal. It never goes away. It's a feeling unlike any other in college football. So don't take offense when I say this. I don't give a fuck about y'all. I don't. 
I don't. I could give a rat's ass about the Iron Bowl at this current moment. Eric. Hold on. Let me finish my point. Let me finish. Go ahead. I could give a damn. I know it's the greatest rivalry in college football. I understand that. And I know for a lot of Auburn fans out there who this is directed at, this isn't directed at Bama fans when I say I don't care about it. It's directed at Auburn fans. A lot of Auburn fans are so happy. You know, oh, my season will be complete. I could go 3-11, and but if that third win is against Alabama, it makes it all okay. That's not how this goes. It's not. It has to be about more than that. We just have, we have to start playing football the right way. Process by process, play by play, playing smart football. And we're just not. We're not. We lack the fundamental. Like, it's just trash. Trash quality of football. And so we can't even dream about, and we got Brian, we're at Brian Denny this year. We're at there with y'all. Now, of course, y'all aren't going to beat our ass with the ferocity that y'all will have against Jimbo Fisher because he put his foot in his mouth, of course. <laughs> so, you know, of course, that's going to be, it's going to be two different kinds of, you know, yeah, put 40 up on Auburn, all right. Then do 65 on Texas A&M because he, Jimbo Fisher's coming to get eight up. Like, it's it's wraps when he, when he gets there. But, Auburn is just like we're not, and I know the alumni wants to win now. That's perfectly okay. I understand that. But we have nowhere else to go. We don't. We have nowhere else left to go. Who are we going to turn to? We still are paying Gus Malzahn all the money that we owe him. We're still paying. Then we got a uh, coach, uh, Harson. Where we got nowhere else to go. We we might as well see this through. Give the man another season or two. Let him get the kinks right. Let him instill something new. I don't know how that's going to roll out. I don't even know if the man's going to be the head coach after tomorrow. I don't know. There's so much uncertainty. But I promise you the last thing on my mind is the Iron Bowl. Because... There's no point in speculating about it or talking about what we're going to do or what we think we're going to do against Bama if we if we couldn't even handle Mercer or San Jose State. I'm not saying I'm not saying that to down those teams because any team can win on any given Saturday. Shout out to Appalachian State. Shout out to UL Monroe. Shout out to South Alabama for giving the UCLA a run for its money and they're coming up. But at the same time, these are games that the, the top teams are expected to win, and we should. We don't overlook opponents, but those are games that we normally should win, and we barely won those. By the way we played, we should have lost. And I'm like, if we play that way against Bama, we don't stand a chance. We play that way against Georgia, we're not winning. We play that way against any other opponent we got for the rest of the season. It's not happening. It simply is not. And so we're just in for a tough ride. I'm in for my my Bronco. You know what? When is NBA season? We're like what ten days away from the NBA season starting up again. Nah, give me some. Give me some. Good. Yeah. Give Give me some damn basketball. 
because I'm sick of watching the Broncos and Auburn. I'm sick of these. I'm almost said almost said a word. I'm sick of these motherfuckers. I'm sick of them. I'm sick. Both my teams have let me down this season. And I know it's early in the season. I hope it gets turned around, but I have no optimism. This is straight L territory I'm in, Evan. Now watch. I Watch this. Watch me not watch the Georgia-Auburn game tomorrow and watch these motherfuckers win. Watch them. Watch Auburn pull out some miracle crap out of their ass and win the game when I just decide not to watch them because I don't think that, like, trash. I'm like, I'm not even watching. And these these fools win, like, 40 to 31. I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to be pissed. And then when I do watch it, if I do decide to watch it, we suck and we get absolutely obliterated. That's how this goes with Auburn. That's how this goes being an Auburn fan. That's just how it is. So I, I predictions, I have none. I think we're going to get smacked tomorrow, but I, I don't know. We'll see. They got bro, – what's, what's their tight end? Georgia's tight end. Oh, Brock, Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers, yeah. We got Rob Gronkowski's reincarnated self oh my. to contend with. God, that so there's Bowers, that. Dude. Oh, my God. Look, for all the crap I talk about Georgia – I got no jokes to make about Mr. Brock Bowers. Yeah. And I call that man Mr. because he he, he is a man. He's a, a whole, man. That, that is a unit. It's a grown man. Understand what I'm telling you, Eric. That is a whole football player. He is a machine. He hurts people. And, hey, he's a baller. Ain't no much you can do with him. Uh, let me say this first off. If uh, if uh, it's true that when you don't watch Auburn that they lose, do me a favor, Eric, and never miss another Auburn game for the rest of your life. Dang. Dang. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I-, I take zero offense to what you said about the Iron Bowl. Um because that's honestly how I felt about Auburn my entire life. Um, <laughs> outside of, I just enjoy watching Auburn lose. I'm sorry, I do, because of what I've gone through as a Bama fan. Um, I can't lie, I do enjoy it. What do you want me to say, Eric? I'm a Bama fan. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you don't enjoy watching Bama lose, if you're being honest with yourself. I don't. I don't enjoy watching you guys lose anymore. Not anymore, I don't. Oh, not anymore. Because what? It, 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 I changed. I changed that. I'll make this point. This is all I need to say. If you go to the Mal Moore Center in Alabama, and you go into that $100 million gorgeous workout room and the gorgeous facilities that Bama has, I mean, it's amazing what they got for the football players. It's like a damn five-star resort. For athletics, man, it's ridiculous. Um, yep. You will find the words, pro- the process, discipline, excellence, champion, things of that nature. You'll see the trophies, right? Because that's what we're about. If you go to Auburn, I am not making this up. I don't know the name of Auburn's workout facility. Uh, do you, Eric? I do not. 
Okay, well, if you go in that facility, you can go to the team meeting room where they watch film and all that good stuff. On the back wall of that meeting room, in big, bold, orange letters, is not the word discipline, excellence, win, uh, be a champion. No, none of that. It's not even War Eagle. It's not even that. What is on their wall is the words beat Bama. That is what is on their wall. I am not making this up. So, Eric, I feel terrible for you because you are literally the only Auburn fan I have ever met that shares this sentiment. Yeah. Most Auburn fans I know do have this little brother complex of Alabama. And I get it. I get it. I do. But, I mean, here's the problem Auburn finds himself in. And you can say I'm an obnoxious Alabama fan for what I'm about to say, but show me where the lie is, okay? I don't think Auburn will ever be able to turn this around and become a consistent championship-building program. Let me tell you why. All right, just hear me out, okay? And this is not trash talk. This is just tell me where I'm wrong. The history of Auburn, minus Bo Jackson, has not been that they recruit players, build them at Auburn, and they become champions while there. That's not where Auburn has found success. Auburn has found success with the overlooked JUCO players the overlooked second-string quarterbacks of other programs who come to Auburn, i.e. Nick Marshall, i.e. Jared Stidham, i.e. Cam Newton, most most noticeably. Yeah. Here's some quarterbacks Auburn drafted in recent – or recruited. Sean White, Jeremy Johnson, guys like that. Now, why is it that Auburn has such problems recruiting, and why do I think that it's not going to get much better? Well, Eric, I this is sad to say, but there is another college in Alabama that football players would rather play for, just plain and simple, plain as day. Um, my contention is as long as Nick Saban is at Alabama, Auburn will never be that team. They will never. Why? Because Nick Saban's pipeline is just that strong. That's not a dig at Auburn. That's just saying, why would I want to play at Auburn when I can play at Alabama and guarantee compete for national titles every year? And also, in terms of getting a coach at Auburn, what coach wants to play Alabama and Georgia every year? Who Who wants that pressure? And also, you got LSU, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Arkansas, and A&M. There are zero guaranteed wins in the SEC West. None. There's never an – it's just getting tougher. Now, I think Auburn can be a consistent eight, nine-win team every year. I think they have that potential. But Auburn, with the way they're set up, with the impatient boosters that they have – they will never be a championship-winning team. 
because they don't give a guy enough time to get something going. Nick Saban, not every coach is going to be Nick Saban. There is only one Nick Saban. Everybody's looking for the next Nick Saban. There's not one. There's one Nick Saban. There is one. And I'm going to be honest, Eric, I think Auburn made a mistake firing Gus. I you think, think, you I think, think that? Do you think that too? You know why I think that? The man never had a losing season. That's true. And Harson has won his first year. And he's on pace to having another one. That's true. So I'm just saying the grass is not always greener on the other side with this. And I don't think the solution at all for Auburn is to fire and find another coach unless Hugh Freeze has called and said, I'm definitely coming. Yeah. The problem is he hasn't said that. He just signed a big contract with Liberty. Why would he want to come back to the SEC when he can be the big dog in the group of five, make really good money, and win? Why yeah. would why would he want the stress? I mean, just think about it. Why would he want the stress of coming back and playing Alabama and Georgia? Why? I, I can't figure that out. I, I've said before, I'll say again, Auburn is the toughest head coaching job in all of college football. Auburn and Tennessee are the only teams that play Georgia and Alabama all year. The difference with Tennessee is they get to play South Carolina and Vanderbilt and Missouri, whereas Auburn has to play Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and A&M. Right. So it's just no guaranteed wins. So here's my solution for Auburn. If you want to be a championship team, and I'm not trolling when I say this. I'm deathly serious, Eric. I'm deathly serious. If, if Auburn wants to win titles, here's what you got to do. Here's what you got to do. Switch places with Texas when they join the SEC and go to the Big 12. Damn. If you, I, I'm serious. If Auburn, if you want to win conference titles, you want to make it to the playoffs, go to the Big 12. Go to the Big 12. Join the ACC. Because it's just not going to happen in the SEC. And I've never thought this much crap about Auburn before, but I don't even think I'm talking crap. Show me where I'm wrong. I got nothing to refute it. I mean, the one national title Auburn has came as a result of a transfer, once-in-a-lifetime generational talent that the world just happened to look over. Yeah. And then when they made it to the second national title, again – quarterback was who a juco transfer i don't know what i'm supposed to say people can get mad say that i'm just being an arrogant alabama fan maybe you're right maybe i am an arrogant alabama fan but i'm not a wrong alabama fan specs i can't i can't deny it at all man i'm sorry if any of what i just said was offensive but I had to get that off my chest because I don't know what else I can say at this point. Ain't nothing else to be said, man. It's it's all facts. I can't, as an Auburn fan, I'm in no position to like talk any shit. I can't troll. I can't do anything because Auburn has not yet earned that right to do so. And until we do, 
I don't know when that's going to be. Until we do. You're stuck with him. Just stuck with him, and that's just that. So that's all. I, I, I got nothing else to say. I can't say anything about it. We were supposed to do some nerd culture talk tonight, but we've done gone on for this so long. We got to save that for tomorrow. Yeah, we'll definitely save it for tomorrow because that's a whole nother Pandora's box to open. We got we got to make it through this chaotic college football Saturday that lies ahead. So pray for me. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm praying for you, dude. I'm praying for you. You're you're the one Auburn fan who I'm like God. Bring misery on the rest of them, but spare Eric. Spare him. <laughs> Bring him comfort in some form. Like I, I, I don't know. Like may, maybe Zack Snyder makes an announcement tomorrow. Like I can't. Like, I just, I, I can't pray for Auburn to win. I can't do it. I can't do it. I just can't. I cannot, <laughs> I just, I'm sorry, dude. I can't do it. I want to for you. You're my best friend. But when it comes to these Auburn Tigers, I, I just – I mean, the best thing I can do for you is once again extend my hand out and say, Eric, I got a crimson and white shirt for you. Damn. There's always – that's all I can do for you, Eric. I can always extend that hand of loving grace and say, brother, you would look kick-ass in a houndstooth jacket, some crimson and white sneakers, Finally get to put some championship rings on your fingers. Just, you know, Bama would always accept you and be willing to forgive you of your transgressions. It's getting hard out here in these streets, man. You don't know how tempting that sounds. Yeah, I I know. And this is the first time you've said that's tempting. (laughs) It's tempting. I mean, to have a a coach like Saban, it's not even about Auburn. And this is my final thoughts, and then I'll, I'll I'll let it go. But, I mean when you have a coach like Saban who just really cares about the players and about, you know, and everyone's going to, which is why I believe this is, I believe that's why Jimbo Fisher should have kept his mouth shut because he wanted to run his mouth about number one recruiting classes and what Alabama was doing. But understand that Nick didn't start out that way. He earned it from the bottom. He met with players and players, families at their house by their lake talking to them, letting them know what they could do for their children, helping them financially, you know what I'm saying, helping them academically. All of their players go to the league and go to the NFL. They have top draft picks every single year. A lot of sound fundamental players coming out of the league. And that, at the end of the day, is what people come to Alabama for. They come for success. And Nick guarantees them that success. So that's just... That's just how it is. The dude's the best football coach in the world. It's it's just who wouldn't want to play for that guy? No matter what, even if he wasn't Bama, like if he was, you know, UL, like whatever, whatever school, you know, who wouldn't want to play for a coach like that? Who wouldn't want to play for Nick Saban? The way he defends and fights for his players. Who wouldn't want to cheer for that guy? That's why I don't get mad at y'all when y'all lose. I remember after, I think it was the Georgia game and Bryce and I think it was Will Anderson were sitting down, I think. And everyone was on their ass about how they messed up and stuff. But right before they got up, Nick told them, sit down and and said, wait, now these two guys did great. I thought they did a phenomenal job. I thought they he lifted those boys up and then he let them go. And I'm like, see that right there? That matters more than winning any national championship, developing young men into leaders and 
Yes. And he does that. And I respect that more than anything. I can't even be mad at that. It's not even about the rivalry anymore after that. Because now we're talking about young men's lives being changed. And that's what Nick Saban does. So, I mean, hey, that's just what it is. And until Auburn can get a guy like that, we're going to be playing second fiddle and be in the shadow for a while. That's just how it is. Yeah, that that was definitely a moment where I almost got emotional watching that because I remember watching that conference and thinking like, So sorry about that, brother. It cut out. We're all good. But what I was saying is, you know, that moment, like, yeah, Bryce had a bad game. Yes, you know, Will made a couple mistakes. But at the end of the day, Saban knew what that game meant to them, and he knew they put their heart and soul into that game, and Georgia was just the better team. And sometimes that happens. And for Saban to publicly say, I'm very proud of these two boys for what they've done. They've put a lot of heart in, and, you know, they did their best. That was one of those moments for me where it was like, I about started crying. Yeah. Because I was like, that is why guys want to play for Nick Saban. Because for him to defend them to the media. Because at the end of the day, dude, I think we forget these are kids. They're kids. I mean, you get to the NFL, it's a little bit different because now you're a professional. You're getting paid millions of dollars. These are and, and you're a grown man once you get to the NFL, but these are kids. Yeah. These these are 18, 19, 20 year old kids. And there have been players in the past who have received death threats because of football games. Yeah. Which is ridiculous on so many levels, but it is pathetic. It is pathetic, and it's always by these dang couch potatoes who couldn't do what these QBs do on their best day. Right. But overall, dude, I had a blast talking about football. Pardon all my trolling. I just can't help it. You can't help it. It's built in. It's built in, bro. It's built in, man. People from Alabama don't get it. People, the hatred that Alabama has for Auburn and that Auburn has for Alabama, it's so mutual, but it's what makes this rivalry so much fun. It makes it epic. And with the yeah. ele- and with the election coming up, it's always fun to hate each other over the right reasons. College football. <laughs> College football. That's facts. But this was a fun one, bro. Tomorrow, we got some fun talks, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to get into Black Adam, The Rock, making his superhero debut. We got some talks about uh, Hugh Jackman returning. Yes, sir. Holy freaking crap. MCU you know, you had She-Hulk and all these other projects I couldn't care less about. He kind of lost me. But, dude, when I saw Hugh Jackman, oh, my God. I was like, y'all had an ace up your sleeve the whole time, and now you've played it. Well done. Yep. Well, well freaking done. Well done. So I'm excited for tomorrow. Absolutely, man. I'm excited, too. Cannot wait to dig into it. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to J House Podcast Radio, Black and White Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Houston, with your co-host, Evan Elliott, and we will catch you guys later, man. Peace. Thank you for joining. This has been another edition of J House Radio. What is up, Brody? What up, man? I am chilling, and I am agitated, and... Pissed, sort of, don't know what to think about a lot right now, 
but I'm glad to be back on this podcast. Man, I don't know where to begin. I, I, I don't know where to begin. Well, then I'll kick this one off for us. Oh, no. Oh, no, indeed. Man, that kind of life, huh? Yep. Yep. It's that kind of life, man. Oof. You need a minute, broski? Oh, no. We're good. We're good to go. We're rolling. We're good. All right, sweet. Well, I'll kick this one off then if you don't know where to start. Anyway, I'm excited for this one, dude. I'm excited. It's been a minute. It's been a long minute. Yeah, been a very long minute. Life is is busy. Disney is busy. DC is busy. Marvel's busy. Everybody's busy. Mm-hmm. But tonight we're honed in on the topic that started us all off. We're back talking about DC, and we're back with actual new stuff to talk about. This will be a fun one. I think we're going to have a fun, for the first half, fun conversation and agreement, but then we may get into some disagreement later. Yeah. But but starting off, we're here to review Black Adam to kick this off. We talked about this movie a lot. A lot was writing on this movie. This movie was marketed as a turning point that DC has desperately needed. That's something we both agree on. Yeah. Um. It was marketed as this is the new change in direction. You right. know, you you and I freaked out whenever uh what's his face? Walter Hamada. Yep. Whenever whenever when he, he left. When he got out of there. I know that really you know yeah. encouraged a lot of people. A lot of talk about new. So there was a lot of hype, a lot of pre yeah. behind this film. Um I'm going to be honest, Derek, just my two cents, then I'll pass it to you. My review of this film, folks, overall, I think when I first saw the film, I think I gave it a 6 out of 10. Yeah. I think I'm going to drop that to a 5. Dropped? I'm going to drop it to a 5 because, I, uh, folks, real quick, but let, let me explain how my grading system works. This Just for anybody who has... <laughs> never listened to a pod before and doesn't understand how my system works. A one or a two, or a, a, a one is unwatchable. A movie that's a one is a movie that I deem, I just can't, I can't stomach. It's, it's that bad. It's that bad. Two, pretty much the same. A one or a two, it sucked. Three or four, it's bad. It's like really bad. And if you want an example for a one or a two, think 2016 Suicide Squad. That's a one or a two for me. Jesus. Think Ghost Rider 2. Think Green Lantern. Think Justice League. Think X-Men Origins Deadpool. Mm. Bottom of the barrel. Just awful. Mm -hmm. Three and fours. These are really bad movies. And the only good thing you can say about them is they're not as bad as ones and twos. Yeah. And they may have some redeeming qualities. Example, Batman Forever. It's a bad movie. It's a really bad movie. I don't like it. Yeah. At all. But it's a lot better than Batman and Robin. 
significantly yeah. better. Sig- yeah. Way better. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm trying to think of a more modern example, I guess, would be. It's very s- hard to make a, a three and four movie yeah. today. It's very hard. I, I, I would say a three or a four would be Wonder Woman 84. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is I, that's tough. I would say Wonder Woman 84 is better than all the aforementioned movies in the one and two category. Yeah. But it's still not a movie I'm going to watch again anytime soon. No. Absolutely well, not. So when we get to five, <laughs> average, okay, decent. It was, it was a film that I don't hate. I didn't leave the theater thinking that I wasted my money. Um, but I didn't leave the theater in awe of what I saw. I didn't leave the theater excited. I didn't leave the theater impressed. I didn't leave the theater even happy. I just left the theater when the movie right. was, when the movie was over. I think I looked at you and I said, "Eh." Yeah, you you looked at me square in the face and you said, "Meh." When this I film was, was over, that's what I said. And I said, "Dang." And another example, I'm trying to think average movie. Uh, what's an average Average, 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 average. I should have wrote some of these down. I should have thought about this before the pod. Uh, I mean, this, the list is long. We, I mean, we're going to be bringing up examples all pod, really. So I think there, there's a lot of examples. I think the first Captain America was an average movie. It was a surprisingly good average movie, now that I think about it. Like, it wasn't... Or Iron Man 3. Iron Man 3 was average. I think it's underrated. I didn't do. I've, the Mandarin tri- twist was garbage. That was so garbage, but that's just me. That's just yeah. me. So that's average. And then a six is above average, like really decent, like okay, we're getting a little bit better now. Yeah. Uh, I can't really think of an example off the top of my head. Uh, a seven is a movie that really impressed me. Not yeah. necessarily fantastic but good borderline great good borderline yeah yeah now we're talking really really good um oof man i can't think of an example here oh aqua no not aquaman aquaman's a six i need to re-rate that because i just watched it yesterday again now, i remember you hated that movie when you first saw it i did you did. When we first talked about it, you hated it. And for the same reason I did, we both thought Black Mantle was lame. Well, that, well, maybe my opinion, yeah, my, maybe I did, but I, maybe my opinions changed after this recent. Yeah. I mean, that happens. That. Yeah. Our opinions changed. My opinions changed. Uh, but anyways, then we get to the eights. Like I said, these are really, really, really good films. I think Robert Pattinson, I think Robert Pattinson's Batman or Joker is where I think an eight is. Yeah. Batman Begins eight. Mm. Or my bad. Batman Begins. This might be some Nolan bias. I would say it's an 8.5. It deserves that. That's not a stretch. It is that's, the point, that's it's not the a point five. Nines, Stellar, Captain America Civil War, uh, Infinity War, uh, Spider-Man 2, Love these movies. And then yeah. ten, 10 is The Dark Knight. 
I think everybody knew that going in. A 10 out of 10 yeah. for me. 10. Talking Dark Knight. So, 10 is res- Now, there's other films on the 10 spot. There, there's even other superhero films on the 10 spot. I have yeah. Logan on the 10 spot. Mm. I I have... um. Oof. You know, go ahead and put Spider-Man 2 on that 10 spot just because Alfred Molina. Oh, you, you have to. Yeah, you, you have to. Like, love that. Love that guy. It's probably two it's probably two out of the Raimi trilogy that are probably in the ten spot. Oh Willem Dafoe is ten spot for me. Yeah. But so that's the scale we're talking about when I say Black Adam's a five. Yeah. I thought the film overall was average, decent. I thought I mean I'll start with the positives. The visuals were a big step forward. I, I think there's a noticeable difference in quite go watch Justice League, then watch Black Adam. I think there's a significant improvement in visuals. Clear difference. And I was very happy to see that. Um and yeah. as and as far as new tone, new direction, yeah. This film had those moments. And that's part of the disappointment because there's like the origin where, you know, spoiler alert, it shows, you know, children being killed. It shows, you know, ancient brutality. You know, there's some brutal scenes here. Yeah. Uh, Black Adam first showing up. He has some epic scenes. Uh, it's a blast to watch. Uh, yeah. The negatives. <sighs> I can't believe I'm going to say this, Eric, because this is the one thing that I did not think I would say about a film that The Rock is in. But here mm. we are. Uh, I thought it was boring. Mm. I really did. I, th- I mean, there were moments. I'm like, And I'm talking 20-minute increments. I'm in the theater just like, okay. Like, what yeah. are we doing? Yeah, like th- this is Black Adam. Like, why is Black Adam talking about what his catchphrase is going to be with a fifteen-year-old or a fourteen-year-old? Yeah, like this is not Black Adam. This is not. This is not an anti-hero, serious story. Like this almost feels almost yeah. not anywhere. Actually, not almost. It's a much smaller version. Much more right. of how I felt when 2016 Suicide Squad came out. What I mean by that is you've got these trailers and it's dark and it's gritty and it's yeah. intimidating and it's like, oh, this is a serious film. But then you go and watch it and it's like, what the heck? This what is, is this? This is like total different tone. Right. Black Adams kind of felt like that for me. Yeah. Um. And we'll talk about the box office and everything and what this movie means for DC moving forward later in the pod today. We got it because I think that's where we'll get into the disagreement. That's where, Um, yeah, that's where we're going to divide at, I think. But in terms of the film itself, I give it the five out of ten. One main reason being is because Black Adam's opponent, the villain he fought at the end, I already forgot his name. Yeah, unknown, weak villain, just... Unknown devil figure. Yeah. 
Just Sabbath. someone like hey, here, here, here's someone that Black Adam needs to fight. Here's someone. Just throw someone up in there. No depth or meaning to his story outside of I must avenge my ancestors for what was taken from me. Boo his like yeah. Well, and that can be a cool storyline, but the way it was executed, I'm just like, yeah, I'm not buying any of this. I don't care about your character. And if I don't, like, that's a huge, like, I'll end it on this and I'll pass it to you. A huge thing for me in superhero films, I need a good villain. Right. I just do. I need a villain to get my attention. I'm a firm believer that a movie is only as good as its villain. Take the Tom Holland trilogy for a second. The first two films, in my opinion, were okay. Yeah. Why were they okay? Because Michael Keaton as Vulture, even though he was a great Batman, was eh as Vulture. He was an eh villain. Jake Gyllenhaal, loved you in Nightcrawler, dude. Fantastic movie. Um, But in, Here, he's just eh. In No Way Home, just eh. Willem Dafoe, though. That's different. No Way Home. I mean, we're going from talking about some random basketball player to Michael Jordan. Right. Like, we're talking about the Willem Dafoe, who, like, you know, he shows up, he just starts killing, no questions asked. He's a phenomenal villain, and Far From Home is amazing because of that, or No Way Home is amazing uh, because of that. And obviously yeah. with The Dark Knight, a big reason why that movie's my favorite is because of Heath Ledger. Not the only, but one of them. Uh, yeah. Black Adam did something that the MCU does a lot and I can't stand. And that is just throw some random person out there in the movie, call him the villain, hardly any backstory. That's just like, get him out there, let the hero beat him, and then we'll move on. Right. Um, yeah, so for me... Overall, it's a 5 out of 10, and I have to – The Rock, I love you, dude, but I have to call bullcrap on the whole new tonal direction because this really just felt like the same old, same old. Yeah. On to you. Well, I, I can agree with most of what you say because in my review that I wrote, and people can read it up on – jhouse.com on the uh, jhousecomics.com on the website I initially gave it a 6.6 out of 10 because I'm used to DC doing something a little bit more serious, a little bit more mature, a little bit more complex sometimes it's dark sometimes it's not but it's not too layered if you know what I'm saying, it's not cookie cutter you know and so it was a little bit lighter from than than my taste as a DC fan. Um and I said that the film did what it needed to do, which okay, if you wanted a simple action movie superhero flick, this is that. It gives you that. If you want good good CGI and visuals and you just want some some tough edgy, you know what I'm saying, uh anti-hero, okay. I think I thought the movie definitely delivered on that. But um the reason why I gave it a 6.6 .6 was because in terms of how, when we look at the masterpieces that DC has dropped, these masterpieces that they've dropped tend to be 
darker. They tend to be mature. They tend to be serious, complex. That is the level that we're used to seeing DC operate in. That's where they operate at. The Nolan trilogy, um, Batman 89 and Dark, uh, Batman Returns, even more so as an example. Um, we talk about Watchmen. We talk about Todd Phillips' Joker, the Batman, uh, MOS, BVS, Wonder Woman. You can put Wonder Woman in there. Um, just so many examples of where DC has shown like, okay, this is the brand that we are. We're not light. We're not one side or the other. We like to keep it totally consistent. We like to stay a little bit more on the serious side, but we can have some fun, but we're more so serious. Black Adam did not have that at all. It was, I did not get the anti-hero vibe, like you said, so I agree with you on that. I didn't get that vibe. I didn't get the whole, um, you know, new tonal change because it just kind of came off as like, what, like, I'm not going to say Justice League because that, this was better than Justice League. But in terms of tone, this was kind of that same level. It but, was closer to Joss than Zack Snyder. Yes. Like, I, I understand the support that directors have to have for each other, but, like, there's no way that I could, I would, outside of the first action scene where we see Black Adam, outside of the first scene that he does with the cave and the helicopters and all that, the rest of this movie, there's really not any other kind of parts where I would consider him to be like consider this a part of ZSJL like that was a cool scene yeah that was a very cool scene that's very Snyder-esque I would give them that but as far as the rest of the movie no absolutely not so I mean all in all dude I just it lacked a lot this is below it was below my taste you know what I'm saying it's like I'm used to eating, you know, gourmet food as a comic book fan. You know, I'm talking about like Todd Phillips Joker we just came out of, the Batman we just came out of, you know, uh, just the uh, Snyder Cut of Justice League that we just got. Like, I'm talking about real four-course meals, you know what I'm saying, where there's not only layers to the characters, layers to the villains, there's all these different niches and, all, like, everything like firing on all cylinders we go from from that to mcdonald's that's what black adam was it was basically mcdonald's and so i i just i i think that the movie did what it was supposed to do but in terms of dc this was not the dc way this is not dc at its best i i have to vehemently disagree when you say this film did what it was supposed to do because I mean, well, I mean, I guess from it didn't do what the Rock said it was supposed to do. It just did what it was supposed to do. According to who? According to everyone, apparently. Because okay, so let here let's dissect that. So, or like I said, if you wanted just a simple action movie, simple superhero movie, okay, that's what Black Adam is, in my opinion, at least. Well, but sure. In terms of what Dwayne Johnson was saying about the hierarchy of DC universe changing and everything changing. It did not do that. 
it's one step toward that direction, but it did not do that. You know what I'm saying? And people on Twitter and on Facebook and every that, they're making fun of him. They're mocking Dwayne Johnson because they're acting like he said the hierarchy of the whole comic book industry was about to change. That's not what he said. The man mm-hmm. clearly said that we're not about to make ways with Marvel. He knew for a fact that Black Panther Wakanda Forever was going to outgross Black Adam. He knew that. And he knew that they weren't in competition. So he was just, he knew that. And Dwayne knew that. Everybody knew that. That was public knowledge. So, I mean, it's just one small step in that direction. It's not a major shift. You know what I'm saying? It's going to take something bigger than Black Adam to to do that. And I'll gladly die on, I'll, I'll gladly uh, take that L because I did say in the past, I did say on an article, I said Dwayne Johnson is going to make it happen. He is exactly what DC needs in order to to get the ball rolling. Um and it kind of, they they kind of did that, but not in the way that he anticipated. I mean, we got Henry Cavill back, but now even there's reports of his you know, tenure being in jeopardy, you know, because of what James James Gunn and all. there's a lot of moving parts. So, even then, you know, now that's not even concrete anymore. So, but I mean nothing ever is. Nothing ever is with DC, is it? No. So overall, what do you rate the film? Upon my first watch, because I haven't rewatched it yet, but I'm sticking with my initial watch, it's a six point six out of ten for me. I just had to drop it down to the five because it's I mean, I, to, to quote, I, I wish I could pull up the Stephen A. Smith clip. We've been bamboozled, led astray, run amok, uh, what? hoodwinked, <laughs> hoodwinked, everything. Uh, All those big words. <laughs> that's sort of that's sort of how I'm feeling. Uh, but yeah, to me, it was disappointing. I mean, the the film did good things, but overall, like, don't go into this film thinking that this is going to be any kind of game changer. It's not. It's it's it's, not that. It, it, it's basically talk about moving in the right direction. I mean, yeah, Cavill at the end was nice. That was really good. Um, the fact that we already knew that was coming though kind of felt like that took away a lot for me. I would have rather been surprised by that. Um, that's just me. I mean, well, well, that's because they. I mean, you got to have a selling point for the film because. Well, Dwayne Johnson was supposed to be that selling point, and had DC done this damn thing right from the beginning, he could have been. Well, yeah, that that really would have been true because what do we always what do we always go back to with this conversation? We always go back to establishing the house first you get the house in order you get superman's house in order then you get batman's house in order and you build from there on down you look at the mcu and what do we got okay we see iron man we got iron man we got thor captain america okay now we got the avengers after that then we get so and so we get ant-man we get another thor movie we get another iron man movie we get the avengers captain america and then after that, before you know it, Ant-Man's got almost two movies. Thor's got three. You got Black Panther in there. You know, Spider-Man's here. You're building upon that. So, like, it, w- it wasn't a surprise to everyone 
when Guardians of the Galaxy got announced. It was like, okay, we have no idea who these guys are, but because of Marvel's track record of success, we're excited because of what they built with the other characters. Okay, so this is going to be interesting. I remember that day in the theaters. I saw the trailer for the first time. I'm like, I have no idea who the Guardians of the Galaxy are, but I see that red banner up top, and I know them boys coming with some heat because I'm sitting in the movie theater waiting on that exact same heat. I was there. I think it was Avengers Age of Ultron I was there for. I think if I'm, I might be wrong. It might have been another Marvel movie. Um, but I was there and I was ready for that. I'm like, okay. So, but with DC, we start with Man of Steel. We got Batman v Superman. We got Wonder Woman, Suicide Squad. 2017 Justice League implodes the whole thing. Aquaman was was pretty good. Um, but then we get Shazam. And then after that, we're just sort of, we don't know where the continuity is. We don't know where, what anything is. We got all these announced movies that they announced. We got this movie coming. We got this movie coming, but we don't know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? And that's partly due to the leadership, creative differences, all that different things, all those different things. So that anticipation dropped for the DCEU and where it dropped at is all West. Something mean you were never going to agree on. I know, but well, we're about to talk about that again here in a minute. So hold your breath. Oh yeah. I, I can't be, I, I can't even do it because now you don't have now, a choice. It ties into the topic. Well, well here, here's the thing. And here's what I wanted to get off my chest. Here's why I was so agitated today because now I'm like, I don't know what people want. I'm like, we understand now that Black Adam was this cookie-cutter, MCU-esque kind of DC film. But then when we go and do something dark and complex, you know, it's cinematic universe-wise, of course, because we know solo projects are successful for DC when they're like that. The Batman, Joker, you know, hey, successes. But when it comes to this cinematic universe thing, it's like... All of those rules change. That's and not true at all. I that that's, that's just my the, opinion. I'm not saying that's factual. That's just my opinion. But I mean, now people are like, "Oh, it was too cookie cutter. It was blah blah blah." I'm like, "Well, god dang, what? Like, it's too late now to go back to a Snyderverse. It's too late for that. That's in the past. You know, there's a complete storyline back there. There's a canon back there. There's a Justice League 2 and 3 and a Batman solo. There's all that back there. But that door is closed. So now we have to work with, with what we got. So that's what I was doing when I was encouraging Black. I wanted to be optimistic about this thing, bro. I'm like, okay, yeah. DC, new direction. Let's go. I'm ready. I'm supporting this. Whatever we move forward with, let's move forward with it. And let's, okay. We got new leadership in the building. We got all that. We got all the recipes we need. David Zaslav's cutting out all this unnecessary stuff that they greenlit back in 2017. And, bro, real quick, real quick. Sorry to cut you off. Go ahead, oh, go ahead. You know, you know what's insane? When we started off J-House, you were the pessimist, and I was the optimist. That's crazy. When we started this podcast, I was the one, like, your whole stance was, Snyder's not there. I don't want it. Don't. Like, it's going to suck. DC doesn't know what they're doing. And I would be on the other end saying, 
no, bro, look, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This movie's going to be good. They're going to bounce back with this. And then DC's going to be back on top, and we're going to have a great story before you know it. At some point, and I'm not sure when, I can't pinpoint the day, but at some point, ladies and gentlemen, I guess it was for Black Adam, because the lead up to this, Eric has been on here talking about, you know what, I think The Rock may be right. I think The Rock, you know, I think this will be a a big hit, and I think brighter days are ahead. And now I've been, I've been Mr. Negative on here talking about, you know, I don't think so. I don't think it'll do anything big. I think it may make money. Uh, Oh, and speaking of which, this film flopped spectacularly. Not even in terms of comparing the Black Panther, not even in terms of comparing to Marvel or comparing that we're not comparing to anything. I mean, this film is losing money. That's not good at all. We we predicted this film, or at least I did, and this is where I have to hold an L. My dumb self got on here and said $600 million this film would make. We sit today at 347 And Blu-ray is going to be at, digital release is going to be out before Thanksgiving. That's where we're at right now. It flopped. It had a very <clears throat> nice opening weekend. A very nice opening weekend. But once the reviews came out, once the first wave of people saw the movie, once friends told friends about it and word got out, Twitter started talking, people who had seen the film were voicing their opinion, hype died. That was it. It completely and totally died. And the box office numbers show that. And it, I'm trying to keep my composure for this one. Yeah. Um, I hate being, I mean, I said the film wouldn't be a game changer, but I didn't think that DC was going to dud like this. And this is where the rant portion of the podcast comes in. You touched on it. I'm going to expand on it because you talk about the level at which DC operates. The, the other night, this was about a couple weeks ago, I was re-watching The Dark Knight because whenever I lay down and I don't know what to watch and I'm scrolling through movies, I random, and I can't make up my mind, there's one of four movies that I'll randomly choose. Like there's yeah. four go-to movies. Okay, if I can't think of anything else, I'm watching one of these four. Dark Knight, Scarface, Wolf of Wall Street, or The Departed. It's those four. Like, yeah. I'm going to watch one of those four. Right, And then a couple weeks ago, I landed on Dark Knight, watched it, and I'm telling you, dude, I've seen that movie God knows how many times, and I'm just still in awe of all the performances of that movie. Like Heath Ledger, I still get chills during Why So Serious. I know that scene like the back of my hand. I know every line of that movie, the hospital, the everything. I'm just like, oh my gosh, this villain is terrifying. He's amazing. Uh, 
Aaron Eckhart, Harvey Dent. Like, holy crap, had it not been for I mean, anyone else but Heath Ledger, everyone would have talked about this dude. Everyone. Yeah. Like, Heath Ledger was the Michael Jackson to Aaron Eckhart's Prince in the sense of Prince was so freaking good that had he been born at any other time, he would have been the man, but he had to be around at the same time as Michael Jackson. Right. It's just unfair. And I watched this man thinking, man, this is amazing. And then two nights ago, Eric, when we had this conversation, I was watching The Batman. And I have my nitpicks about that movie. Paul Dono, I have my nitpicks. But overall, he's a solid Riddler. I have my nitpicks, but overall, he's pretty good. Um, There's layers to him. There is. I give him that. Colin Farrell was fantastic. Yeah. Penguin was fantastic. Car, uh, Falcone was fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Robert Pattinson as Batman was fantastic. Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne? Yeah. Batman, fantastic. But I'm watching that movie, and I'm watching the part, Eric, where the city actually floods. And I'm watching that movie, and I'm thinking, I'm watching Paul Dono laugh, and I'm sitting there thinking, this movie is so good and it pains me that the same film that made this the same company that made this the same company that made the dark knight the same company that made joker with that bone chilling monologue at the end you get what you deserve i mean holy crap dude joaquin phoenix yeah fantastic that same company just released black adam and I'm thinking, here we go again. We're, we're, we're right back to have a sampling of something excellent. Get your hopes up. Because I've just had a good taste in my mouth ever since I saw The Batman. Like, even yeah. though I nitpicked it here and there, I love that movie. Yeah. Like, I really do. Like, I am pumped up as heck for the second movie. I'm still iffy on this new Joker. We'll see how he does. But overall, I got more positives and negatives, but I'm just so freaking sick and tired of watching DC release something great and turn around and release some average or garbage movie. I, I don't yeah. understand. Like, and You know, people ask, you know, people always ask, why do they keep focusing on Batman? Like, can't someone else get some shine? Well, here's Black Adam to show you why. Here's Black Adam. This is why. Because DC loses money. Shazam is why DC lost a lot of money. This is why Batgirl got canceled. This is why all these other movies are getting canceled. Because it's not... I understand Batgirl has ties to Batman, but it's not... There's just two characters in DC that are... They basically make up the brand. And it's not Batman and Superman at this point. At this point, it's Batman and Joker. Yeah, because you, because, because now, and I, I'm sorry, but now, now I'm really now that that really makes me mad because now you can't even you can't even do that right. Now you like like think about what you just said. You know how crazy it is what you just said. Not even Superman and Batman anymore. Not even Superman and Batman. It's Batman and Joker. 
Think about that, Evan. Think about that. Well, see, I don't, I don't have the biggest. I mean, see, now th- this is just my bias because I've, I've grown up on these comics. Like I've grown up on Batman and Joker. I can never, like, I love it. So for me, I don't have the biggest. Like I understand where you're coming from. Personally, I don't have the biggest issue with it, in the sense of Batman and Joker being like at face value, them being the faces of the business. I have nothing wrong with that. What I have something wrong with, what I have an issue with, is why that is. And the reason for that is, is because they've mishandled all the other superheroes. They have handled everyone else so poorly that the only characters that have been treated rightly are Batman and Joker. Right. Like, I, and that that's sad that you have to say that. Because... I'm thinking to myself, I don't think it was that hard to do. I didn't think it was that hard. Like, after 2013, okay, we got a great Superman movie. Okay, I can deal with I can deal with BVS, okay? I can deal with Wonder Woman. Okay, I love all those films. I can deal with that. But, I mean, to look at the scope of where we are 10 to 15 years later, bro, with characters who we know are important. We know where they stand in the hierarchy of everything. For you to not... Joker's about to be on his second movie. Blue Beetle is in production. Batman has had one, two, three more appearances since then. Two by Batfleck and one by Robert Pattinson. And... No Superman movie. Wonder Woman has had two, and she's got she's on the way to her third. Aquaman's had his movie, and he's on his second. Shazam two is about to come out. Black Adam just got greenlit. Look at how many characters are getting greenlit movies, and yet Superman does not even have a sequel, a standalone sequel. Think about that. I mean, it, it, that definitely hurts the overall story because DC is so dependent on Batman and, like, you're not going to have Justice League without Superman. That's just not possible. You can't, right. you can't have the Justice League without Batman or Superman, so you don't have Superman. That hurts the story. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. You go. <coughs> Moving forward. Yeah. Okay, I'm good now. <laughs> yeah, I'm good now. Um, be quiet. Uh, where was I? Oh yeah, Batman and Superman. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm not shocked that Joker is in this place. He, I mean, think about this. You want to think about taking chances on a character? I kind of see where Walter Hamada was coming from. Like, I, I, I hate defending him, but I'll give him this. I can understand from one angle why he didn't want Joker to be released. Because I think he may have been nervous that Jared Leto had left such a bad taste in people's mouth when he played Joker. And, I don't... He, and he may have thought, he may have thought, well, the last time we put Joker in a movie, it failed spectacularly. So maybe people are Jokered out, so maybe we don't do this one. There, I can I, un, I can understand that one. I'm not saying I agree with it, and in hindsight, obviously he was wrong because the movie was amazing. 
But I'm saying, like, before he even saw the script, before he even saw the movie or the trailer, all he hears is Joker movie right after Jared Leto did what he did. I can understand to some degree there being some, "Mm." well, he can't let he, well, even if that was the case, he would have been wrong regardless because he can't let, he can't let the screw up that he heads at that time dictate solo dictate something totally solo like i could see that perspective but at the same time joker is too big of a character to let one bad performance by an actor define him i I don't think that would have changed especially after you've had nicholson and you've had uh you've had ledger two legendary performances you had caesar romero back in the day so up to that date i mean you got mark hamill too in the animated form up to that date joker hadn't had a bad performance ever you know what i'm saying but then of course we get jared leto that's one bad performance i don't think that's gonna scrape uh the surface of of joker's potential cinematically and but I'm glad- could you at least understand the perspective of maybe people are jokered out because do- joaquin phoenix was the third joker in 11 years that's a long gap but not me, Eric. Name me another character that's had three different iterations in eleven years. In eleven years, let's see. That's never happened. There's been characters to have three different moot like trilogies, but I'm talking about you've had three different people play the same character in three different movies, three different stories. I mean, that's not very, I don't think that's still, I still don't think that fatigues it. Not Joker, at least. Maybe for other characters, but I don't, I don't, Joker's too, like I said, Joker's too iconic of a character like that. I I agree with you that it doesn't fatigue people, but I'm just saying, like, from Walter's perspective, I can, like, I can see, like, he's not just crazy coming up with this. He's not making stuff up, like, oh, wow, like, I don't even know where he would get that idea. Well, I mean, I can't debate what Walter was thinking at that time. I only choose to take Todd Phillips' side and what he was saying about it, which was that Walter was not trying to have any of it. And so he went around Walter's back and got the film done and greenlit. So I I can't say because I don't. I'm I mean, glad. obviously, we both disagree with Walter because we love the movie. Like, yeah, I've I've it's... got a Joker movie poster in my wall, or in my room. I love that movie, but um, I think a lot of like, if there was any questions about the hype, it all went away after that first trailer came out. Okay. Whoever made that trailer deserves the Oscar for the Joker trailer. That first one. Yeah. You remember that smile? Like, oh, yeah, that, oh, man. dude. That was cinema right there. That, that was, was one of the top. Dude, by the end of that commercial, every hair on my arm was just completely standing up. Yeah. I was like, I, and what was crazy <clears throat> is, here's how you know a trailer is good. When the trailer reveal, and this used to be how movie trailers were, is they revealed nothing about the plot of the movie 
they would show you like interesting moments from the movie and you would kind of understand like the general like idea like okay yeah. that's joke understanding of it yeah yeah some general understanding like you may know where the movie takes place but the right. trailer itself doesn't just point blank say hey this is what's going to happen in this movie right it doesn't say like hey here's joker and these are the things he's going to go through throughout the movie it right. just it just shows a bunch of random clips that almost seem like something from a dream Right, But the montage of clips and the epic music that is played in the background, oh, it's just... God, I, knew, I, I knew it was going to be it from, from the first shot. And remember how much I couldn't stop dancing like Joker behind the curtain? Like that just, that one scene, I remember we were in theater practice. Bro, you were hyped the whole production. Oh my God. Dude, that trailer hyped me up for the play. Like gave me energy for the play. <laughs> you couldn't help yourself. It was Dude, it was I, there. I was so hyped for that freaking movie, and that was in April, and the movie didn't even come out till October. Yeah, so I had to wait. But Walking Phoenix, you dog, it was worth the wait. Yeah, you gifted actor, you. Reminds me of simpler times when I was actually hyped about a DC movie. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, and then, but but we get films like that, and then we get back to this. So for me, I, I told G texting you, I said, bro, I'm at the point now. I just don't care. I have no hype for the Flash movie. None. Like I like I'm at the point, dude. I and I never thought. You know what breaks my heart about that? What's we, that? We had a podcast where we had my live reaction. Of me finding out that Michael Keaton was in this movie. Right. I thought I was going to have a conniption. I about passed out. I was so excited. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, I freaking love Michael Keaton. That's the Batman prior to Christian Bale. That, <coughs> that, that was my early childhood Batman. Yeah. That was like six, seven-year-old Evan watching Batman... Like, break every window, flying down, watching bad guys scatter. You know, oh, it's Batman! You know, yeah. th that classic goodness. And then moving on to uh, Christian Bale. Finally, when I got a little bit older and uh, Heath Ledger and all them. Those movies were amazing. Yeah. And the Batman, Robert Pattinson, continuing the legacy. I think he did a good job. Shout out to Matt Reeves. Um, yeah. Those are really, at this point, the only kind of films I can get excited about. Yeah. It, I, 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 but, I mean, I say all that going back to Michael Keaton. I kind of lost my train of thought there for a second. But going back to Michael Keaton, I grew up on, like I said, early childhood Batman. Um, so right. he, hearing that he was coming back, I mean, I got nostalgic. Like that took me back to being seven years old, and I think that's what we love about these movies so much. Is like it takes <clears throat> it takes us back to simpler times. I think that's a big reason people love the MCU so much. Uh, right. And DC used to could do that. Uh, I got really hyped up for that. 
but between the consistent letdowns, the consistent lack of direction, um, not to mention Ezra Miller and just all of the seemingly never-ending bizarre events that keep happening due to Ezra and Ezra's actions. Um, it's just one thing after another. Yeah. And I, I mean, I mean, from, from the beginning, dude, from the beginning, MOS, solid movie, BVS, I didn't like it. You love it. It was very controversial. Uh, Justice League sucked. Uh, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, surprisingly good. Shazam, who cares? Uh, Suicide Squad, one of the worst movies ever made. Uh, yeah. Wonder, Woman, Wonder Woman 84, not very good. Uh, and, you know, even when you get a Peacemaker and a Suicide Squad reboot, and you get, you know, good things like that, you think, okay, but what does this do for the story? What does it do for the story? Um, Black Adam... <clears throat> was okay but i mean eric for frick's sake i mean you know when we talk about patience that would be fine if the dcu didn't start in 2013 and we're in 2022 about to be 2023 i mean eric we're we're talking nine years and this is about like if i oh I almost forgot about Birds of Prey. Why? Because everybody forgot about Birds of Prey. <laughs> I like that troll. Everybody forgot about Birds of Prey. I'm not even saying it was a bad movie. Like, it was... Like, I've seen it more than once. I like Ewan McGregor. Yeah. But I, I, I forget about that movie all the time. It's like, why do we need it, though? <laughs> and I think most people did, too. Yeah, I think people. Re- I think they really <clears throat> overestimated the draw that Harley Quinn is, and maybe yeah. and maybe you can say COVID had something to do with it. I'm I'm not gonna blame COVID on anything. I'm I'm not gonna blame any movie swapping on COVID because <clears throat> I sat in a full theater full of people near the almost almost the end ending ending of the pandemic but it, we were still you know masked up and everyone you know and i watched as a full theater around me clapped cheered and applauded for a simply entertaining movie that i like to call spider-man no way home so i i no excuses i ain't, i ain't hearing it i know some theaters closed down i understand that but there was a period in between that pandemic where when we were coming up out of that thing, you know, where theaters were empty, there were movies that stepped up to the plate and brought people back to the theaters. And No Way Home was one of those. So, I I mean, at this point, dude, I, I well, know. And, and even on the streaming service, there were successful projects like. Uh, even then, yeah. What was it? Uh, WandaVision. Very, su- very successful. Uh, what else? Loki. Loki was successful. Dune. I still need to watch Dune. I still haven't seen it, but I mean, I know that was a very popular movie during the pandemic. Yeah, Dune was good. Um, you had 
ZSJL. The numbers for that was great. ZSJL came out before the pandemic. It did? Yes. I thought it was 2021. No, ZSJL came out in 2019. It's 2021. I think it was announced during the pandemic, but it came out 2021. If I'm not mistaken, we were still in the pandemic, though, still, though. So. Still there? Broski. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, cut out. I hear you. Can you hear me? Broski. Yo. I hear you. I think I can't get out of the app. I was looking at the most popular movies of 2021. Ah, I see. Yes. ZSJL isn't high up there, but it was grossing numbers, not viewing numbers. Yeah. But, I, I, I mean... mean- I, I, I looked up most streamed movies of 2021, and I remember it wasn't in the top 15, but it was popular. Yeah, I, I think that the attention that was brought to the Snyder Cut overall and what was left on the table for Warner Brothers at that time, I think that people, I mean, of course, the Snyder Cut movement brought attention to it. Of course, there were some celebrities who were behind it as well. So there was definitely a lot of attention there. But I think in terms of the argument about D.C., bless you, buddy, in terms of the argument about D.C. and where the direction should go, I think that conversation had already reached its boiling point with fans and with the pop culture community all over probably. And may, and I didn't want to admit it at that time because when the Snyder Cut came out, I was like, yes, okay, this is what they should have done the first time. You know what I'm saying? Okay, now we have an open door. Look at the storyboards that Zach put out. Look at Dark Side, Lex Luthor. Look at all these, you know, solo Batman films, solo, you know, this guy film. Look at all these plans that 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 they could pick up on now. There's there's a chance, but then. You know, they're like, no, we're not going to do that. I'm like, okay, fine. Don't do that. But just know what you're leaving on the table. You know what they left on the table, too. And that's not that's not to say that 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 should have been the path they should have taken. That's just me personally. I think they should have because that's still a connected universe because you have nowhere else left to go outside of that. And now we're in it. Now we're in it, and it could have been Snyder's well, I universe. Mean, it, no, wait, I mean, there's a million different ways they could go, but they just keep finding a way to choose the wrong one. That's what I was about to say. But that's the thing that, that kills me. I mean, it's not like it's Zack Snyder or Bust. I mean, that's what kills me about this. It's not freaking rocket science. Make a good Superman movie. It's that well, simple. It's, I mean, make obviously, good, obviously, for Warner Brothers, it wasn't. A good freaking superman movie bring people to the theaters 
Make a second Superman movie. Make a good Batman movie. Make a good movie where Batman and Superman meet each other. Make Justice League. Does that sound familiar? Yes. Marvel is literally showing you how it's done. They're literally showing you like, hey, build a story. Start from the ground up. Don't just throw random stuff at a wall and say it's all interconnected. It don't freaking work like that. I, well, I, do, I, I don't understand how in God's name DC can watch Marvel for so long and just not get it. It well, pains I mean, me. That Hey, when you look, when you want to sit at the boardroom table and you want to be the boss and you want to dictate what goes on and you want to get in your creator's way, that's what happens. You don't see Kevin Feige breathing down people's necks. You just don't. And this could have been with any creator, not just Snyder. I'm talking about anybody, man. Like, that's not how you run that. I know the urge to, to have the cinematic universe out there. I know you got to compete. That's business. I get that. That's natural. But the way you went about it, the news that came out about that, the cuts, everything, the rushing, the announcing all these different projects when we haven't even got off the ground yet. Like, bro, you can't do that. You can't. And they have nothing to show for it. They got nothing to show for it. And you know what, Eric? The Black Adam, having seen it, this makes Comic-Con that much more embarrassing. Because they booed him, didn't they? I forgot that. They This makes Comic-Con this much more embarrassing. Because that's all DC showed. That's all they had. That was the way Marvel comes out. Avengers, Avengers, Black Panther, freaking Deadpool 3. They don't lose even after the supposed peak of endgame marvel still has enough gas in the tank i mean they may never reach endgame status again because i mean holy crap that was that's a bar but that was it they can still make it very very high they still can deadpool 3 is a guaranteed billion yeah with Hugh Jackman's, I mean that. Oh my gosh! But I, I, when, I, I'm going to concede to you. What are you, know, you, you conceding? I'm going to concede that it is too late. I think it's too late for DC to start a cinematic universe. I don't. It's even, too late. Here's what's crazy, though, Eric. I don't agree with that. I and it's, and this is what frustrates me. This is what frustrates me, Eric. What frustrates me is the door will always be open for DC to get this thing done right. You're telling me, you're telling me that if they made a really, really good Superman movie, I mean really good, and they made a really, really good Batman movie, right, that people saw and the critics liked it and the people liked it, and it was the it was true to the source material and it was just a good acting good script and then these two guys meet each other you're telling me that wouldn't generate a crowd yes it wouldn't it, it, would. it wouldn't 
It's too. It's no. It's not. Eric, there's it's no too relay. late. That, that makes no sense. It's too late. No. How? Number one is because everything that we are describing that should have been done should have been done ten bloody years ago. I hate to say it. So why? But that's just done ten years from now. Like, okay, I agree with you. It should have been done ten years ago. But what I'm saying is. I don't understand what would stop DC from saying, okay, we messed up, scrap all this, let's just find somebody who can be a really, really good Superman, and we're going to cast him. It may even be Henry Cobble. We're going to take Henry Cobble, and here's Superman. Now, we need a really, really good Batman. It may even be Ben Affleck. I don't know, but someone, John Hamm, I don't care. And then both of those movies are good, and then you team them up together. But that's but there's that's just, the that's the risk you run. There's no way that's not successful, assuming that the aforementioned Batman and Superman films are good and draw crowds. What if they? What? If, I'm, well, I don't deal in a game of what ifs because I mean, I don't dictate critic reviews I, I like to hear what the audience has to say i don't necessarily well, i'm dictate. not talking about critic review i'm not no i'm just saying in general i'm just saying and, in general. Uh, and this I'm isn't necessarily what if this is just like common sense follow logic i mean yeah it's a hypothetical scenario but i mean it's 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 about as hypothetical as saying if i put the popcorn in the microwave i get popcorn you know like well, yeah it's I mean, a, it, it's a what if but it's pretty inarguable, I would say. I don't think so. it's. I think it's going to take another five years for DC to even get that in the motion. It's going to take a whole another five so six DC, years. If DC in five years announced a Batman movie and then a Superman movie, or vice versa, or and then had them team up a couple years later, then you think it'd be ready? Pop, maybe, maybe, but it all it all depends. It depends on a lot of things going right here. You see, that's where I keep getting frustrated because I honestly feel like the DCU is only two movies away from, ha- from ha- hold on, from having an established foundation. I serious, honest to God, feel like it's only two movies away. Give us one really, 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 really good or two. Batman movies connect them somehow to a really 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 good Superman movie you get those two movies you get really good Batman really good Superman have them meet now when they meet guaranteed success Mm. they're not even two movies away they're one movie away I would think they're one movie away, actually one, and even that one they managed to screw up. I wish it were that simple. I oh so wish that it were that simple. Like, bruh, I could see that. I could definitely see it, but I re- like, I just, I wish, I wish that could be true. But <clears throat> what DC or Warner Brothers has left on the cutting room floor? In terms of cinematic universes, in terms of what they could have done years ago when they had the chance to fix it, I mean, 
it took a whole new it took David Zaslav coming in there, cutting all this off and 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 wiping the whole slate clean in order for them to get this right. <clears throat> it took that. It took naming James Gunn, who's still on contract, by the way, at Marvel, working Guardians of the Galaxy three and plotting right now the future of DC. It takes that. It takes him having to take over this thing and be announced as leader of this thing for us to finally get some semblance of of order with DC. It's taken too long. It's taken too long. I want to be patient. I do. But I'm like, dude, you get if if we now now maybe you're right about the two the two film thing. Maybe not. But then again, it could be one movie. If they get the flash right and they reboot the whole continuity in one movie and start afresh, that maybe could be all you But need. at this point now, that like <clears throat> I, I feel like The Flash is doomed. I feel like that's a lost cause at this point. I feel but that's, like, that's the that, reboot vehicle. That's the one. What do you want me to say? I mean, there's nothing much any of us could say. I just like, know what, the movie that they... What am I supposed they... to say when the lead actor is accused of grooming? What the heck? What the heck am I supposed to say Not when, the lead, when the lead actor is accused of stealing alcohol, accused of all just, just weird stuff? Not not a thing. There's nothing we can say. Like, nothing. What, do I, like, I, what do you want from me? I just, <clears throat> I can't. I, I like, and I'm going to say this as both a DC fan and as a Snyder fan. Number one is a Snyder fan. I don't think I'll ever I don't think I can forget the fact that DC dropped the Snyder cut, showed us dark side, teased the future of what the DCEU could have been and then didn't do it. And then as I, a DC I, I don't understand why you're shocked about that. I, I I'm just it I, I'm not I, I shocked like about it. I feel I, I feel like you're only shocked because you really got your hopes up. I mean, yeah, pretty much. I mean, when you when you're sitting here in Timbuktu trying to figure out what your continuity is, and you just dropped one that was four hours long that showed you where you could go instead of just not doing anything at all. I mean, yeah, you you tend to be pretty shocked. And even outside of that, as just a DC fan in general, something somebody's continuity i don't care who's like get let's get some semblance of something restore the snyderverse or reboot it and do some something you know now i mean like we like it's i just think it's too much of a now that's not to say dc as a whole brand is doomed because that's that's never going to happen as long as they keep producing successful solo films in my opinion successful the batman bat, joker bat, successful batman movies you mean as long as you got batman you going to be i right. it's like having prime you know what you know what batman is he's prime lebron james if you got him you're going to be a championship team yes that's batman and he's carrying <laughs> like batman has had back problems for a long time from like him and joker both from carrying this franchise on their backs. Exactly. Superman is extending a hand to help, but he's not being used properly. 
They keep putting them on the bench. Coach, I scored 600-something mil back in 2013. I have the best modern interpretation of Superman ever put to screen, Coach. Yeah, but we put me in the game. We'd rather have The Rock. Man. (laughs) This is our reality. And and like I say, what kills me is I'm watching The Batman. I'm watching Joker. I'm watching The Dark Knight. And I'm watching amazing, iconic lines, phenomenal acting, phenomenal visuals, great costumes, great sets, like like great movies, dude. Phenomenal. It's great. And I'm like, there's no freaking way this is the same company. There's no way. There is no way that this company made Suicide Squad with a straight damn face. Mm. Overall, dude, though, when it comes to Black Adam, I think this film did buff kiss for us moving forward. I think... I I think that Black Adam was an okay film at best. The, the Rock, I mean, I love you. You're great. I, I love you. Fast and Furious, you know, WWE, you're great. You're The Rock. You're a legend. Um, ha- having said all that, this was not my favorite movie of his. Uh, and I, I, I'm just disappointed. Uh with yeah. saying something because I was pessimistic about this movie and I got what I expected, but I guess some part of me was really holding out for something. I like, think that I think that was I think that was all of us. <clears throat> I, I think deep down I really wanted this film to be something special. And at this point I'm not talking about like I, I brought up box office. Like I'm not even talking about like competing with Marvel or comparing Black Panther to Black Adam. That's comparing apples to oranges. Um but I mean for God's sake, Eric, three forty seven. I mean That's not good. That's that's not good. That's I mean awful. Uh, let, let me put some Shannon Sharp in there for you, Skip. I mean, normally when it comes to DC, you know what D and C stand for, right? Dark and complex. Uh, when Black Adam came out, DC was uh, dull and crappy. So that, I mean, that's that's it. That's all it is, Skip. Three, 347, 367, it's not. It's not going to cut it. And re- real quick, before we cut, uh, cut off, uh, I'd like to take a moment to say rest in peace to Kevin Conroy. Uh, yeah. Real quick, uh, Kevin was, I think, for a lot of young boys and girls out there, a part of our childhood with the Batman animated series, which is one of, if not the best animated series to ever be made. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I can't think of a more iconic duo of animated voice actors than Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy. They 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 were just absolute magic every episode. Killing Joke, going to see that in theaters. I was in a packed out theater of nerds, and we were all there because we knew it was Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill. Yeah. 
like just a packed out theater. It was amazing. And it was so much fun to watch. Uh, Kevin gave a lot of us great childhoods and we're all thankful for that. Rest in peace to the best animated Batman ever. Yeah. Rest in peace to Kevin Conroy. Um, I got a video of Asher. I'm going to send to you because I was just, I just started um, the animated series. I was going to watch it all the way through because I never got to as a kid. Um, but yeah, I got a video of Asher watching it with me. I'm going to send that to you just now, right before we started this podcast. But um, yeah, man, rest in peace to the definitive voice of, of the Batman. Uh, we got to show the legends love while they're here, man, because... You know they let they're leaving us left and right. Jason Frank, uh, rest in peace to Jason uh, David Frank, also known as the Green Ranger or the White Ranger, depending on what Power Ranger show you were watching. But rest in peace to him as well. Mm. So just the time to enjoy all the legends, man. Just enjoy all the legends. Oh man, speaking of legends, okay. I know I was about to cut the podcast, but just real quick, five minutes. I just, just because I just love talking about this so much because you said legends. So, what do you think about your boy Connor? <sighs> Connor McGregor will be back strong and in 2023. He will be back. And uh, I hope Khabib comes out of retirement too. Because that's the only fight I'm interested in seeing. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Don't don't say that. No, you don't. Yes, I do. I want to see Conor win some tune-up fights, conquer some folk, get back in the prime condition, and and then I want to see I want to see a revenge match because that man said what he said on Twitter in a respectful way. He said, "Your daddy's not here no more. You ran and ducked. I'm here if you want it." And I'm like, okay. Hey, I like that kind of trash talk. I don't know if he'll back it up, but I do know that Khabib did say Connor was his most toughest opponent. And I know it didn't look like that from the ground game because Khabib dominated that. That much is true. That's facts. But as far as the stand-up game in those first two, three rounds, hey, hey, Connor was doing his thing. He was holding his ground in there. And Khabib said that Connor was by far his most toughest opponent that he ever faced in the octagon. Who wouldn't want to see McGregor Khabib too? This man doesn't have to fight, but hey, Connor, I think, I think he's in it for the legacy. I think he can come back and and dominate um, and bring bring back bring. I mean, the UFC is exciting right now. Three champions have fallen and three new ones have risen up within the past nine months. I think it's unheard of. Even Israel Adesanya just got beat. So I mean. The UFC is exciting right now, but hey, with Connor, man, it's a different level. So, I mean, I hey. have to correct you on something. Yes, I'm reading a sports article. Could be called. Hold on, hold on. I swear he said Connor. He I said, he, said Connor. he said Connor was his most important fight. He said, "What's this dude's name?" Tabao, his second professional fight was his toughest fight. Really? I thought he said Connor. No, because I mean, bro, because I'm just the reason I didn't think that was true is because I remember the Justin Gaethje fight, and I remember thinking, wait a minute, no, Justin actually looked like 
he hurt Khabib. Poirier actually had him in a submission at one point, looking like he could beat him. Connor never looked like he was going to beat Khabib. Like at no, like I don't mean to sound like I'm talking smack, but there was never a moment in that whole fight where you're like, "Oh God, Connor's got him." Well, I stand corrected then. I'll stand corrected on that. No, the, you know what? The, the, there's a handful. There's only a couple of fights I'm interested with Connor. I'm interested in McGregor Diaz three. I'm interested in that. I don't even think we'll get that because uh, Khabib's retired. I mean. Diaz is retired. I know. I'm interested in McGregor Ferguson. Yes. That I'm interested in. McGregor Ferguson, McGregor Holloway. McGregor Holloway is my dream match. But Connor would need dude, Connor, for those who haven't been keeping up, Connor has been hitting the gym. Yes, he's big dog. Like he is a freaking tank right now, and I'm thinking, okay, if you're going to fight at featherweight, and if you're going to fight Max Holloway, you're going to have to get way smaller. And I think, like, I don't understand why he's trying to get so big, because I'm thinking when he was a featherweight was when he was most dominant, but as because he was so fast and he could knock people out with one punch, but now as he's gotten bigger, he's slower, it's a little bit more difficult. Right. I mean, unless he's improved his cardio, that's the only thing I can think of. Unless he's improved the cardio, that's it. Well, and also, I, I think the big thing is Connor fights best. And this is going to sound like I'm talking smack, I guess. But Connor does best when he's fighting someone smaller than him. Chad Mendez, not significantly smaller, like by. A foot, but I'm talking like an inch or two shorter. Yeah. People, people like Chad Mendez, Jose Aldo, Marcus Dennis, Brimage. Yeah, Dennis Seaver, all those guys. They're all shorter than McGregor. Holloway, yeah. I think, is the only one that's taller than McGregor. Yeah. And, and even that fight went to a unanimous decision. But then when McGregor gets to the lightweight division, now he did beat Cowboy, who's taller than him. But, I mean, come on. Yeah. Come on. Come but, on. When, but when he fights Dustin Poirier at lightweight, now he did beat Dustin one time, once upon a time, but when they fight at lightweight, Dustin handles him twice. Yeah. You know, Khabib handled him. So I'm thinking, you know, there were rumors of him going to welterweight, and I'm thinking, oh, hell no. Come Kamara Usman would kill him. Yeah. Like, literally. Leon Edwards would kill him. Uh, Colby Covington would beat him. Uh, give me Masvidal over Connor. Oh, wait. Whoa, whoa. Hold on. This this whole division is not clear in Connor. Maybe one or two of those fighters are. That remains yet to be seen, though. I'm talking about the Connor that I've seen over the last couple of years. Prime Connor McGregor, I would agree with you. The Connor McGregor who was in his prime and was knocking out Jose Aldo with a counterpunch, I'd agree with you, Eric. But you do know that Connor has lost three of his last four fights. Yes. 
since he has since he has returned from fighting Mayweather in 2018, I think it was, he's won one UFC fight. Yeah, he's he, fought in four. He's got some. He's got some work to do in order to catch up. I mean, so McGregor desperately needs a tune-up fight, and he needs to win it. I don't think McGregor right now has it in him to beat the big dogs. I mean, maybe not. When you're sitting on almost five hundred million, I don't think you ha- you'd have the hunger to go out there and compete with the big dogs anymore either. Those maybe, boys are hungry. Maybe not, but but for whatever reason, the hunger's not there. It's not there. You're, he's gotten comfortable. It may it may be a Rocky Three type moment, but. We'll see in early 2023 when he gets back. We'll see. Oh, yeah. But this was a good one, bro. Absolutely, bro. This was absolutely enjoyable. Absolutely a blast. We hope DC can recover. We're going to pray. About, I'm going to pray about it because oh, yeah. we need help. <laughs> Amen. But, uh, yeah, man, this was a great win. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to J House Podcast Radio. I'm your host, Eric Houston, with my co-host, Evan Elliott. Happy Thanksgiving to you guys, and we'll catch you guys later, man. Peace. Peace.